Hey boomers, time to get in full swing. It's time for another episode of your favorite fortnightly guide to the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic. It's Sonic the Comic, the podcast, and we are the humes who think we're in charge. My name is Chris McFeely. My name is Dave Boomer, and we've got our Richard Elson fighty cover for you this Ooh. fortnight. It's a good one. It's Knuckles Metallic, so it's yep. an immediate so it's a, star a rating, you know? Yep. Add one star to the overall comic rating. Although, I suppose, subtract one star, because... Because Sonic's head's drawn all wrong! <laughs> yeah! Yeah. Okay, that, and that is now going, I promise, to be the last oh, yeah. time we mention it oh, yeah. this episode. Okay. He's drawn... He's drawn wrong all the time now. This is it. This is it. This was this was the turning point. He's wrong all the time. The spikes are whooshing up like he's supersonic. There's no escaping it. Life is terrible. And well, nothing will ever be good again. But not always. Like, Rich is giving us some really good little Sonics, as well as the... Bad and wrong ones. The bad and wrong ones. So what I will do is I will mention the good ones, but not good the idea. bad ones. Good idea. I don't know, Chris. We're not going to be able to live up to this. There's, there okay. are times okay, we're going to okay, mention okay. this. Okay, okay, It's the last time <laughs> I'll mention it. Good luck. Issue. Good luck with that. Nope. I vow here today <laughs> that I will not go, a terrible bad Sonics. Even though we have to talk about that there's a full page picture in this issue and it's got a bad sonic on it it's i've said it now it's okay. been said understand that unless <laughs> unless we stipulate otherwise it's bad and wrong sonics oh that's all the a way, way down to yeah um what's happening on this cover is it is sonic and the knuckles metallics and they're fighting in an arena but they're they're not fighting very well if you look at the, yeah. <laughs> the way that they're fighting is that both of them are swinging punches that are just sort of going over just under each other each and other, not connecting yeah. with their faces oh i'm gonna go I'm just going to punch the air. And if you walk into the air, I'm punching and you get hit. It's not my fault. It's your fault. You walked into Hence the caption, in full swing. A trial mm. by combat as Sonic versus Metallic. Oh, he yeah, verses like, him, like versus he? was a verb. Yes. Do. <laughs> He's going to verse him today. So we can all look forward to that. Uh, we've also got new Tails takes on Mob Rule. Hmm. And new Demon Driller, and you go, oh, is there a new Sega game been adapted into a, into a Sega Super? <laughs> no, Demon Driller attacks decaps, Chuck. Plus, Amy hits out a music swizz, like music biz, but but yeah. swizz, and it's all big, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I nearly missed this one because what they've done is they've gone with a little gimmick here, which is that they've put most of these captions on the ends of pillars that yeah. are dotted about in the drawing. Everything up till now, we've seen the pillars that we're looking down on, but there's a fallen over broken bit of pillar, and on the end of that, it says, On the ball, reader's art. Oh dear, on the ball. Not looking forward to that, think I, as I see that on the cover. Oh, I hadn't even really thought. Let, let's, <laughs> look, I've read this issue. I already forgot what the graphic zone was, and mm. now it's reminded me again. Yeah, I didn't put it together when I saw the cover the first time. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. Oh, well. And across the top, it reminds us there's an exclusive Stargazing Knights, Knights. pinup. So, yeah, this issue 110. 110, good gracious. Yeah, I know. Cover dated August the 19th, released on August the 6th. Let's bust it open. Control <laughs> zone. Well, once again, the page layout's all wrong because there's no charts, so everything has to be... It's not that there never will be again! No, that's it. It's not that I miss the charts as such, it's that... You miss the sense of familiarity that they graphically engendered in the page. That's true, but I do think that it was good to have something there, down the side, to... These boxes look too big. (laughs) There's not (laughs) enough stuff to go in these boxes, so you have to have something to compact them. 
So instead we got this big long strip along the middle in which Megadroid tells us what's going on. Yeah, that's it. There's, there's nothing worth reading out here. He simply says, this is what's happening in the strips, this issue. Yeah. And he closes out after describing the Amy strip, which is the second part of the story where Amy and Techno become bodyguards to the pop star Fabian Vane. He closes out by saying, incidentally, perhaps I should consider taking on a minder. After all, I am the most mega megadroid this side of the galaxy. Uh-huh. Bit of copy there. Well done. <laughs> the use of this side of the galaxy, I think they've forgotten Megadroid was built in a lab on Earth. <laughs> I think Deborah Tate thinks Megadroid's an alien. True, but I'm prepared to imagine him going on space adventures, aren't you? With uh, his... Yes. Because he doesn't have legs, so he can just diddle a little around. He can just yeah. fly all the way off into space. Yeah. We don't know how his hover works. It might need to push off a ground, or it might be that he can just fly anywhere. So he might as well go to space. Down below that, though, we've got, as opposed to telling us about mm. the next issue, a strip next issue, or the recycle paper, or the rules for getting your drawings printed, we've actually got a little feature yes. below that on the control zone this issue. Impressive imposters, the header of this is. It's readers' photos. It's a little fo- photo zone, isn't photo it? Zone, yeah. yeah, feast your optic circuits on the following photographic evidence but be warned things are not quite what they seem some of you have been snapped sporting the odd spike or two but then what else would you expect from such an imaginative bunch of boons so the theme here is things that are not quite what they seem photos with a twist the idea that that it's boomers who are impersonating yes sonic Yes. Characters. It took me a while to figure out how the third one is that, but now I realise. There's two photos of that, and then there's also a third one here. The first one is from Chris Costello in Rossendale in Lancashire, uh, and it's him in a Sonic onesie. Mm-hmm. Rather impressive, sort of full full costume Sonic onesie. Yes, including head, and he's looking out of an open mouth that it has. Yeah, you can just see his eyes peep yeah. in through the open mouth of the big head on this Sonic onesie. And he's lying there with his Sonic and Tails cuddly toys. Yeah. And the caption says, well, the real Sonic would never get this tired. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, then there is Dean... <laughs> From Dunstan Lincolnshire. Question mark. That's a quest. That's the noise of a question mark. Yeah. And what it is, it's a child lying on a bed. Funny they're both lying on beds again, but they are. Wearing a Sonic t-shirt, but instead of his head. And Which who, he has who knows where t-shirt. his head could be? There's, there's <laughs> no clues, is there? Um, <laughs> uh, instead of his head, there's the head of the Sonic toy. Poking at yeah. But the third one is the one that's stuck in the memory yes. uh, for me. Because what we've got here is nervous friend of the show, who is a friend of the show but hasn't been on. <laughs> uh, it's Lynn Triplett, and she is standing there in the Hidden Palace. Yeah. What do you make of this? Not sure. She's standing in front of... Well, it's a piece of art. Is it a piece of her mm. own art? It could yep. be. I mean, it, it's got the hallmarks of the style. It does. It's a closing crop shot of Sonic and Knuckles having their showdown in the Hidden Palace, and you can just see the... A mural of Robotnik's Mecha versus Supersonic up there in the corner. It's cropped in specifically to show Lynn standing next to Knuckles. Yeah. Now, I don't know what the origin of this is, if she'd painted a wall in her house with this on it, or if there's some computer trickery involved here or what. <laughs> so I know a bit about this. Do tell. Well, to go a little bit deeper into the photo, first of all, they've captioned it Dread Rehearsal, because Lynn has red-dyed hair. Not dreads, but red. Well, that's the thing, and I think STC have interpreted this as her being in 
a limited amount of Knuckles' costume. Yes, that's definitely what's going on here, yeah. Which may be why she dyed her hair red, I don't know. But she's always, like, I think it's, I think it's still dyed red now. Like, she's always been like that. She is about 15 here, I think. MCDMDGG32X owner. Yeah, oh yeah, she's got all the stuff. She's got it all, you got all the stuff. And she's, um, have you noticed, she's got her name written down the arm of her jacket. Oh, I didn't. I had never noticed that before. But she has. She's got a spec. So, because she's... Because she is an artist. <laughs> but I say that non-mockingly. Lynn is a born artist. She lived it thoroughly. And that's what's reflected in the incredible work she's doing today. If you've wondered about this photo before and you want to see what she's up to now, and trust me, you do, spectramisarts.com. S-P-E-C-T-R-A-M-I-S-arts.com. Or just Google... I-M-A-G-N-I, and you will see it. And it's worth seeing. She's really good. And here she is as a teenager, and of course she's painting everything. She's covering everything in drawings. She is holding, and I've never seen this before today, she is holding the very Knuckles comic that she posted on Twitter around the time we talked about it. It's the Rainbow Knuckles strip. That that picture that I think was the first time we saw her artwork in the letters page, in Speedlines... Of three different Knuckleses, and Knuckles had a spike on his head, and he was all powerful, yeah, yeah. and there was a rainbow chaos emerald in the sky, and all of that. That is the comic that that's based on. She's holding that. So what this is, I believe this is the correct story. This is a room in her house. I think it's her bedroom wall, and she ah. has fully painted it as this giant mural of the Sonic versus Knuckles fight at the end of Sonic 3 and Knuckles. I mean, as we can see, Knuckles is about half her height. It's huge. Like, the picture, she obviously it goes way taller than she is. It must be floor to ceiling. Yeah. And it must be side to side. The way it's cropped, like, you can tell it's absolutely gigantic. And if you're a big enough fan, you can tell what it's, uh, you know, what she's painted. Yeah. We're never going to see the rest of it. Because this photo is the only record of it existing. Mm. She, the thing is, what this is, is this is a teenager lavishly painting the wall of a council house. The council got wind of it, got in touch, and painted over it. Oh. They just painted over it. It's terrible vandalism. It's gone. And the photograph, of course, sent to STC, never sent back. And that's that. That's it. That's the only record it existed, is this tiny cropped-off section of what I keep, what I personally consider to be a significant piece of 90s fan art. Like, the fact that there was this kid out there who painted a wall in their house to be one of the best scenes from Sonic 3 and Knuckles in 1997 is significant. That won't have happened very often. I'll tell you what, though. There was a house in our area, in our village where we lived, where one day Mum was driving us back home, and I just happened, as we passed this house, to look up the curtains were open, and I saw, across this bedroom wall, the faces of Sonic, Tails, Robotnik, copied from the clip art of the time. You know, it was that one picture of winking Sonic and that teeth-bearing Robotnik face you saw everywhere in the early days. Mm. Three of them just painted gigantically across this wall. And of course, Mum said, oh yes, that's so-and-so-and-so-and-so. They painted it for so-and-so, their kid, or whatever. And I... And I and I never met that kid, and I never saw that again. And um, Ships passing in the night. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about it now, that's ridiculous, because they lived a minute's walk from our house. So weird that that, that that was no bigger in my life. Anyway, so there is no record of this. We're never going to see the rest of it, and we just have to trust that Lynn did a good job. But looking at this, looks like she did. Absolutely. Also, not a good time, I think, to note, uh, given the theme of imposters here. Oh. Little footnote for a couple of issues ago. 
You may remember the uh, photograph that appeared in Speedlines that claimed uh, we were seeing another sonic imposter. Uh, importer. Oh, yes. Oh, It was the yes. photograph of the sonic cuddly toy again. Kitted out in a nerd kit from an advert. The nerd kit cut out from a, an advert from a bunch of issues ago with the buck teeth and the glasses and the, mm. the bowl cut hair. It was basically, if you have our product, you won't look like this nerd or something, won't it? Yeah. But we could not, for the life of us, figure out what the <laughs> caption, another Sonic importer, meant. Yeah. And uh, just to get it on the record, <laughs> Cursed Zebra in the Discord figured yeah. out it was a reference to English broadcaster, journalist, media personality, Janet Street Porter, who is known famous for, for wearing glasses and having teeth. Yeah having teeth i i would have to look at a picture and judge whether or not she actually had big teeth or if that was just like a thing from spitting image or something that everyone took on board as a main thing about her but it was that was the thing about her was that she had big teeth and a voice and as soon as cursed zebra said that in the discord i was like yeah. oh my god that's it that's actually definitely that's what it is what it is yeah couldn't believe it so if you two were puzzling over it from a couple of issues ago that's what the importer and it yep. goes well with the rest of these imposters, was a reference to. Janet Street Porter. In your Sonic the Hedgehog comic, of course. <laughs> what else could it have ever possibly been? The The Evil Empire Part 3 Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, and letters by Tom Frame. With the whole of the Dracon Empire watching, Sonic fights for his freedom in a trial by combat against Robotnik's new Knuckles Metallics. But Metallics' punishing strength and Death Ray Blaster put Sonic on the ropes, and it looks like it's going to be up to Tails to rescue him. So this issue is just a, an action scene. Yeah, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's Knuckles Metallics, and they hit each other with big funny sticks. So we open strongly. I think it's great art on page one. It's di slightly disguised by everything being purple. There's Ooh. this purple cast to absolutely everything, which, I don't know, makes the eye slide across it a little bit. But, like, look at that third panel. Look at the lighting on Sonic's mm. back there. All it is is a guy going through a door. That's basically all that happens on this page. A man goes through a door. Sonic is no man. <laughs> He's got the perfect shape of his back spikes, which will always be difficult, even for a seasoned Sonic drawer. Mm. And nothing but good Sonics here on page one, because I like the little perspective spike. It gives it a nice 3D shape. I, they should have stopped there. It is wild, isn't it? How completely different it makes him look, though. It, oh, yeah, yeah, it does. I'm confident yeah. he's doing something else different here, too. But I don't know what it is. Uh, having previously speculated that the eyes being pointier is part of the new design, I think he's trying to incorporate that in he's just giving him such a facial expression that it makes his eyebrows i can put my thumb over the extra spike and something something's just not not the same anyway anyway that's a different kind of wrongness that i said i wasn't going to talk about so i won't i think i see what it is what the curvature of the third spike mm -hmm. is pulled in tighter to the base of his head to oh. better create the illusion of a neck Oh. If you look at older ones, he is a bit less like two circles. Even though that's how we've all described him as being yeah, two yeah. circles stacked on each other. He's, he's, a, he's a bit less like that. The, the row of spikes going down the back is pretty 
uh, continuous and consistent and the circles mm. just kind of come out the front in the face and the belly where right. here there's a cleaner delineation between head and torso in the way that the spikes have been positioned and shaped around yeah it's kind of difficult to tell some of the time because it all depends on what position his head's in and this rich is, is in, enjoying having his body face one He's, way and his head well, face the other a, way that's the standard elson isn't it he's just look at him there and the second panel his uh, head looking one way his body facing another way one arm swung out in front of him as a fist one arm behind him with an open palm it's dynamic isn't it he's in chains and he's still elson posing well he's being unchained in that panel oh so i suppose that's him kind of shaking himself free in a way i mean he's doing it in the first panel too i don't i don't fully understand the uh, the elson posing meme because isn't it just dynamic drawing isn't it just don't the superheroes all do that it's the consistent use of one arm swung out in a fist one arm back with an open palm mm. and he does it when he's doing nothing he's just standing <laughs> well, there well, that's why. I see. I take that to mean like, oh, he's doing nothing in this one. I better make him dynamic. I better have him stand there dynamically. Excelsior! <laughs> I mean, that might be it, but sometimes people can just stand. <laughs> anyway, that's that's flipping page one. Yeah. Um, right, something I love on page two, which is where... Is it that dude's hat? <laughs> oh, gosh, I didn't... Uh, <laughs> no, tell us about the dude's hat. It's a He's a pipe. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I tell you what he is. He's that guy from Tron who's a pipe. In the real world, he's an old scientist working on the laser. But in Tron, he's like this sort of elder that's embedded in a thing. And isn't he a bit like this? Hasn't he got kind of a pipe head with his face poking out of a hole in it? I don't know Tron well enough to say, no, but it's, I, just, I, it's, a, yeah. it's a large, silly Jack Kirby hat. The, the, this is going to be my question. This is a Jack Kirby thing, is it? Much like the Dracon Emperor himself here, it's just a very large and silly... Not specific... Like, mm. it's just, he's got a very large, tall hat on that his face just peeps out of a hole in the middle of. Yes. And this is, so it seems that we're later, and we're not talking about it yet, but we're later going to find out that these hats. <laughs> There's a part, are, there is a reason the kind of for a reason. wear such silly hats. <laughs> but it's interesting to know this time round that the real reason for the hats is because these two men like Jack Kirby. <laughs> that, there's more evidence of that. In the, and it's like, we had already been drawing Jack Kirby comparisons to certain things mm. in the way Richard Olsen drew technology before anyway. But having oh, yeah. spoken to both the men for issue 100 and realising that completely independently, Lee and Kirby's Fantastic Four was the milk on which they were raised. <laughs> Again, I wouldn't have needed to have spoken to him to see it in play in this issue. But the fact that yeah. I don't think it survived into the finished edit of issue 100, but one specific issue that Elson called out in our talk with him was the story in Fantastic Four. I think it's from up somewhere in the 17 to 90 range. It's a story where the Fantastic Four wind up on a planet... It's a very Star Trek story where it's a planet of Skrulls, the shape-shifting aliens, except the whole planet is themed around uh, 1920s mob culture. <laughs> you know, like like the Star Trek Nazi planet or whatever. Yeah, That's where the Thing is forced into an arena fight with a robot chap named Torgo. And they fight each other with big sticks with rings and blocks on the end. <laughs> ah, right. And Sonic and Metallics fight each other this issue with big sticks, with rings and partial rings on the end. There, there is yes. no doubt in my mind that that is what Elson was putting his spin on and putting it on the page for this story. Well, and so we're now in the arena, and the fight is being watched over by a, a small crowd of people. It's just the Emperor, and and what I love 
This is such a cool little detail. Robotnik grinning over the Emperor's shoulder. He looks so pleased mm. the whole time. Splendid, splendid. But how brilliantly pathetic it is to see him reduced to a Grimer. And how expected. There's no arch-alpha bad guy out there who wouldn't turn into a sniveling henchman the moment a new big dog came into town. And that's exactly what has happened to Robotnik here. He's peering over the shoulder of the big guy and going, Get him! Get get him! Get him! I mean, there hasn't been any indication that Robotnik is subservient in any way up till now. More that he's, like, allied with and is enjoying exploiting the Dracon's might to get at Sonic. But we do get this moment here on the second page where, uh, you know, Sonic says, even if I don't survive this, you'll never have Mobius again. Mobius is mm. ready for you. He'll never take control. And Robotnik's like, well, I've got the mighty Dracon Empire supporting me now, so just you wit, boyo. But then the Emperor goes, that is true, my dear Robotnik, but do not forget our bargain. When the time comes, I would expect you to stick to your side of the agreement. And Robotnik's, all the big grins fall away, mm. and a, a scared face. And he goes, oh, 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 of course, Emperor. And you know what, Dave? I haven't <laughs> a bloody clue what this is talking about. And oh, I it's am exciting, isn't it? super excited to find out what it is. <laughs> yeah, We've hit the foreshadowing moment. Mm, where it's like, this it is. isn't just some aliens who've turned up for a story. Yeah. There's a bigger plan in Kitching's head with this. Something's going to happen here. Yes, we're, yeah. we're being treated, and it is a treat, to several pages of just a fight between Sonic and Knuckles and Metallics. But there's something else going on. We're being teased. There's storytelling going. It's trial by combat. That's why Sonic is here. Trial by combat is the system on this planet. And Robotnik comments... Oh, I do so admire the Dracon judicial system. And he admires it because Sonic's about to get walloped by a big robot. Yes, because he doesn't... Yes, I don't imagine he'd admire it so much if it was him down there. This is exactly what I was going to go on to say. If this was a more violent comic aimed at an older audience, there'd be only one ending to this story from the moment Robotnik says he admires this system. And that's him ending up in the ring at the end and us cutting away there because it's a foregone conclusion. This is a guy who's... He's not going to get that comeuppance, I don't think. Mm. I don't think. Don't think so, no. <laughs> like, I don't think he and the Dracons stay good mates through to the end or anything, so I don't know. Mm. I don't know. No. <laughs> I enjoy, I, it's one of those times where I don't know, I don't remember, and I enjoy that. <laughs> and is this hitting the right notes for you? Because this is your sort of comic. This is guys doing Fantastic Four, doing old Marvel stuff, isn't it? Because I'm loving it. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like them just doing that story to me. It's mm -hmm. it, But... When you break down the pieces involved, mm. it really is, actually, isn't it? <laughs> because we were talking, it's like, yeah, yeah, this is the one where the aliens come, the Kree come to capture the Fantastic Four and put them on trial for messing up their big robot, and then they have a big arena fight with funny-shaped sticks. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it's, it's right out of it. Well, and when we've talked to Nigel, and previous times we've talked to him, I mean, it's been a long time now since he first said, yeah, the Metallics were me doing Daleks. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone criticise him for that. No, for, no. Quote-unquote, just doing Daleks. And we, we certainly don't mind that. But... I was listening to a lovely podcast just like in the last couple of days. Uh, it's a podcast called Comfort Blanket where they have people come on and talk about something. Well, that, that does sound lovely. It's lovely. They talk about something they like and someone did Doctor Who as their thing. And it was one of the one of the nicest discussions about Doctor Who I think I've ever heard. And one of the things that they brought up in it is that Doctor Who is itself those guys just doing their stuff they were into and repackaging that for new kids. And because of the longevity of Doctor Who... 
a lot of people think of a lot of stuff in Doctor Who as fairly original, but it's actually mostly just like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do one about this because you're because it's Doctor Who, you can have anything you want, and that's why you know in the in the early series you've a Western straight away yeah. because it's those it's that generation writing and. Um, and so you have, so it's this thing that happens generation after generation after generation. Of course, of course, today the people creating Doctor Who are just creating Doctor Who. They've grown up on Doctor they Who. Grew yeah. up watching Doctor <laughs> Who. Yeah, but then that's a problem with a lot of stuff. Just ongoing media. And people general. who are making the Star Warses yeah. are just making Star Warses. They're not, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, that's another one. But that's another perfect one. That's yeah. that's what yeah. the original Star Wars was. The original Star Wars was just samurai and cowboy movies mashed into one and put and they put a robot in it. And that's what was so good about the Mandalorian, at least the first season of the Mandalorian, mm. where it really felt like it was finally channeling that spirit again. Yeah. But as it's got more and more felonified as it's gone on <laughs> it's like oh yeah this is just being me of my dudes who grew up on star wars and just want to put star wars in their star wars yeah okay anyway so there's this long tradition of storytellers repackaging the stuff they grew up with for a new generation and that's that's what we have here yeah and it and it and it, and it works because i i didn't know about this <laughs> uh okay so moving on i love <laughs> my note that i've written down is ha 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 this prick. <laughs> I'm sure that is a reference to when Knuckles Metallics is brought in and they, they reveal, announce him as being appointed temporary prosecutor. Correct. And Sonic goes, I can guess whose idea this is. <laughs> oh, just trying to oil the wheels of justice, my dear Sonic. My dear Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and we're back to Doctor Who. We're back to old theatre guys chewing scenery, aren't we? My dear Sonic. Look at the way he's resting on his own elbow on the <laughs> yes. edge of the ah, of the arena. Grinning like, down his oh, shoulder at him. just trying to. <laughs> oh, it's really great stuff. So then the fight begins. Yeah. Yeah, they're handed the big sticks. A, a, a gold guard guy comes in. Great design on this golden guard. It's a sentinel, specifically. They call it a sentinel. Oh, do they? Well, yeah, because they, they, it's the same design as the ones who are at the gates. Yes. On the first page. Didn't we wonder if they were all one colour last issue? And I think we can confirm they are here, because this guy is gold. I guess so, yeah. Uh, but then I suppose the sentinel from the Aquatic Ruin Zone was all one colour. So. Well, it's because it was a statue. Yes, well, that's it, because this isn't a statue. This is, that's the thing. This is just a normal-sized Dracon guy. Who's, uh, so there is, a, there is a disconnect between what was a sentinel before and what, what, what is, is yeah, a sentinel I, yeah. now. I want I to know what is a sentinel. I think they might actually address that. Oh, really? I think. Maybe, well, I think. I mean, I'm looking at the fact that this one's all gold, and we were wondering if those other ones are all one colour, and I'm wondering if they are living statues yeah. that they've made. It could be. Well... I don't think we get a close-up enough look at his head to tell. Well, he's got a face inside his helmet, but he, so do statues. They have faces. <laughs> this is so, true. don't know. It depends on whether we see them move. We'll see. But you don't know what sort of alive it is. Anyway, then we start the fight, and we get a pretty classic Elson fight page, don't we? Here. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is reminiscent of the first time we met Metallics. Yep, just smash bash and Sonic saying, you know, you're nowhere near as cool as the old blue model, and that's good mm -hmm. stuff. And look at what a boss move Sonic pulls off in the second-to-last panel. Whop! Look at that. Yeah. Look at that swishy Spins the... swish coming off the back of his stick. I figure you'd need agility and speed to use a weapon like this properly. And when it comes to speed, let's just say you're looking at the master. So then he does a big anime yeah. quarterstaff spin. Yeah. Spang! And, <laughs> and sends him flying off in the dust. So brilliantly drawn. And the amount, the amount that it's hit Metallics, it sends him so flying 
Normally, this is the kind of like we don't normally see this from uh, Elson. We see it from Nigel Dobbin. That's a bit of a Dobbin, yeah. Isn't yeah. It? A guy thrown upside down through the air, far away, and it's oh, it's what a great what a great panel. But uh, to, you know, Sonic thinks he's won with that, and then the Metallics mm. is like, no, no, I've got a gun actually. <laughs> I did my secret weapon, a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The chest blaster. Yes, and he chest blasts him, and there is this sort of. Sonic has this of going like, oh yeah, and I had this, oh yeah, they can yeah, shoot out of those. They have guns in their tummies. Well, it's because this is a Knuckles one, and you never know whether he's got the same stuff or not. But it's a full page picture. Yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. You've got the, the Knuckles Metallics on the floor. I can't just call it Metallics, that's wrong. That's Metallics. That's a Sonic shaped one. I have to call it Knuckles Metallics. He's on the floor, his cool head spines whipping everywhere. He's doing a blast into Sonic. Sonic is being hit so hard that his spines are all on end and um, off in the wrong direction it's wild <laughs> and uh, and then in the background you've got you know robotnik and all the others watching from the thing it's like a little parade you've got the emperor and then behind him you've got robotnik and then behind him you've got grimer <laughs> and they are all waving their fists around it's like they're <laughs> doing big dances it's like they're doing you know that muppet dance where they just kind of move the rods left and right you know that <laughs> no <laughs> no uh, robot speech bubbles for the metallics because the way it goes is Sonic goes, does this mean I win? And Metallic looks back at him and says, no. Uh, and and it actually did uh, take me out of it for a second because he has a normal person speech bubble. Yeah. And Metallics don't have that. It should have at least a little electric trail. I completely agree with you. What's, what's going it, on? I, I was like, oh, wait a minute. What's going on here? Is there a dude inside that? What's happening? And yeah. I was like, no, there's not. He's just speaking. Metallics is... He hasn't spoken before now. He hasn't. I don't think he has. Didn't think he spoke in his first story. Don't think so, no. Uh, so it's not like a surprise that he can speak or anything. But it, but the fact he hasn't spoken up till now, and the fact he doesn't have a little robot speech bubble, does throw you for a second. <laughs> but all he is is just, just gearing up to dramatically shoot him with his tummy being dramatically Care Bear staring. Maybe robot. <laughs> Maybe that's what they've been doing this whole time. <laughs> Maybe Robotnik has given the Dracon Empire this powerful robot, and there's someone piloting it behind the scenes. No. Nope. There's a Dracon. No, no, no! <laughs> With a remote control twiddling the two little sticks. If I hadn't begun to dodge at the last moment, I'd be finished, is Sonic's reason for surviving. Yes, as he lies on the floor sizzling. There's sizzle coming off him. I feel like you wouldn't have to say that. If you didn't call the laser a death ray. <laughs> yeah, they should just call it a pain ray. Yeah, or, just, or a laser, you know. He says, I forgot Robotnik gave his metallics a death ray. Mm. And then because he's called it a death ray, your immediate question is, why aren't you dead then? <laughs> yeah. So he has to say, well, if I hadn't begun to dodge at the last second, well then. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. I rolled with that punch. If I hadn't, he'd have taken my head off. You know, <laughs> comic book dialogue. And uh, uh, Chris, hold your tongue here, because I'm going to say something you can't. Uh, the last Sonic on this page is a statement on the wrong decision by the copyright holders. So the Knuckles Metallics. It looks like Sonic's done for, and Metallics comes to bring down the hammer blow with his funny stick. And then <laughs> suddenly the he phew, hammer comes down, but it just hits solid ground. Sonic's not there anymore, and it's because he's blimmin' Sonic. Sonic is fast. That's the thing. Sonic comes zipping round, taps him on the shoulder, and it's just because he that's what he did. He just ran away. He did a Sonic. But it's the classic Sonic pose. Hand on hip, feet crossed, which Rich can draw in his sleep by now. Yeah, but with the awkward new spines, and it, it, just, it really stands out. Here's a thought. 
If the sticks that they're fighting with are from that Fantastic Four issue you talked about. Not literally, but the vibes. No, okay, but they're a reconstruction of that. Yes. Were the sticks in that issue of Fantastic Four the one that Kirk and Spock fought with? Because they had gladiator sticks, right? I'll, 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 I'll just crunch them numbers right quick. I suppose I don't know exactly when in the 60s Star Trek was. Interestingly, with a bit of googling and comparison, we find that the Fantastic Four issue in question did come out a couple of years after the Kirk-Spock fight scene and could indeed have been inspired by it, particularly as it happened towards the end of the year Star Trek really became popular when it started being shown in syndication, so it would actually have been far more zeitgeisty and ripe for referencing that year than the year the episode first aired. But it depends how much stock you want to put into those two fights being me and Chris's go-to examples of two fellas wailing on each other with sticks that have clumpy shapes at both ends. It could be that this was an absolutely standard image of an arena fight at the time, and that both of those things were influenced by some old thing everyone watched in those days, or something that we happen not to have thought of. What I will say though is that the cover to Fantastic Four issue 93 was definitely an influence on imagery from this issue of Sonic, particularly the double page spread, and I haven't looked inside the issue yet so there may be more in there, but the camera angle on the cover with the walls of the auditorium curving up and round with guys leaning over the barrier and waving their arms about is all there. Now it would be, because that's just how to draw this, but I think we can safely say the pair of them would have been interested in doing something reminiscent of that issue. I've been calling them gladiator sticks, because I know them from gladiators. gladiators. Yeah. Are they from gladi- did gladiators have these sticks? Is that why they were in gladiators? I mean, my mental image of a gladiator is more of a sword and a net. Yeah, and same. Net, same, know? yeah. Let's look up what the origin of a pugil stick is. A heavily padded pole used as a training weapon since the early 1940s. Oh, right. Oh, no then. For Training for what? For hitting people with a non-padded stick? <laughs> uh, in training for rifle and bayonet combat. Oh, uh, okay, so that makes sense. Okay. Poking, for poking. Is similar to the quarterstaff or Japanese bow, and may be marked to indicate which end yes. represents the bayonet and which the rifle butt. Oh, I suppose it is a bit like a bow stuff, isn't it? Or a Robin Hood-style quarterstaff. Or, as it's also known, a f***ing stick. A f***ing stick. Get your um, kids a f***ing stick. <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering why all of these people decided to put them in gladiator-adjacent things. Arenas and a television show called Gladiators. Seems like it's just a coincidence. <laughs> Sticks. Sticks. Sticks with yeah. things on the end. Yeah. Getting a stick... <laughs> and putting a thing on the end of it is like what we were doing as cavemen. Yeah. You know, it is the ur weapon. The sharp stone was the yeah. original tool. And yeah. then we were like, what if we put that on the end of a stick? That was the first, man's first innovation. Wow. <laughs> the original innovation that changed man from monkey into person. Putting a thing on the end of a stick. And B, that took us from Breath of the Wild to Tears of the Kingdom as well. <laughs> a mirror of that innovation there. The switch has become sentient. And then we cut to outside the arena for our cliffhanger, where a crowd is watching this on a great big telly. I like that it's a great big telly, even though, like, it's on the outside of an amphitheater. Yeah. And just the whole vibe of the Dracon Empire thus far has been some kind of a Roman Empire type thing. Yeah. It's like, what if the Romans had televisions, eh? Because this big telly is fixed to crumbling columns that look yeah. ancient. Like, they uh, fight with sticks. Mm. And they do trial by combat. And it's all crumbling pillars and everything. 
but they've got tallies. What a cool mashup this is, though. Roman Empire and there's a robot fighting in an arena. That's really cool. I mean, that's some pretty straightforward Star Trek, Kirby, whatever, yeah. you know, that sci-fi mashup 60s stuff, you know? Yeah. It's like you were saying about uh, this generation reinventing the past generation. It's like yeah. the stuff that people were doing in the 60s, taking the pulpy gladiator adventures. Yeah. And then what if there was a robot or a, Chucking a robot in it, or yeah. something in it, you know? So Tails is in this crowd. Made up of, it's like Mobians. There's a sort of a snaky lizardy one. And, well, uh, that's the one thing, yeah. But that's mm. the thing is you notice that everyone else has their face fully covered either by like a mask or a helmet. And there's this one guy whose face is on show, yeah. Nearly everyone. There's a guy in the first panel where you can see his head's out as well from behind. Look, he's got ears and his jaw and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't see him, all right, yeah. But then, you know, it's not like the Dracons have to be the only species in no, the exactly. empire. Indeed. And they're all watching this. I love how they talk, like, you know, it's like... It's great. Yeah. See how he fights back. Perhaps the defendant is innocent after all. No, no, look, the prosecutor presses his case. I think the verdict is going to be guilty. The prosecutor uh, presses, presses his, his case? As, That's as fantastic. Metallics lamps him, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and Tails, Tails is, is sitting in the middle of it. In disguise. He's got a hood on to be in disguise. And he's just like, what are you doing? Don't let these people really think trial by combat is a fair system. It's really taking the pains to stress that this is trial by combat. It's not simply, you know, beat your accuser and you get to walk away. It's like, in the eyes of the public, if you could fight better than the other guy, that means there's no way you did the crime you were accused of. And we end on, on Tails looking up, saying, I don't think Sonic can take much more of this. I've got to do something. I've got to help Sonic, but how? Next issue, Tails to the rescue. I know how. Up and over the wall, down, yeah, lift him up. Fly in, lift him out again. You <laughs> know. Just take a half second to land first and then take yeah. off again. Yeah, so you don't put a put a put a put. Instant recharge, you know, yeah. so you don't run out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, this is good stuff. It's, yeah, it's really good, this. Tails. The Unbrushables, written by Lou Stringer, art by Nigel Dobbin, and letters by Ellie DeVille. On a visit to the Casino Night Zone, Tails discovers that a mob run by Max Gamble has taken control and is shaking the residents down for protection money. Tails rallies the residents to band together and fight back against the mob goons, while he heads off to confront Gamble himself. Arriving just in time to catch him on a video call with Dr. Robotnik, who he's in cahoots with. When Tails reveals this fact to Gamble's goons, they quickly turn on him because they don't want Robotnik back any more than anyone else does. And peace is quickly restored to the zone. I was surprised to see Dobbin drawing this one. I don't think Dobbin's drawn a Tails before. No, I don't think so. And I didn't think to be surprised until you brought it up. But, but now I am. And, and look... He's stopped drawing a weird little old man tails, hasn't he? Yeah, what a lovely little tails he's drawn this He's issue. lovely, he's nailed it. Got it. Now, speaking of lovely, what a lovely coincidence that this whole story opens with Tails doing noir voiceover. When, just a few weeks ago, do you remember? Teenage Dave was banging on about a stage show called mm. From a Jack to a King. Yeah, yeah. Well, that also opens on this same gag. So I had this voice <laughs> firmly in my head. Of all the beats in all the cities in all the world, he had to walk on the mine. The first time I saw the glamorous kid, he was living in a cardboard condominium just off Tin Pan Alley. The crowd he was running with weren't the sort you took home to meet Mom for Thanksgiving. And it ended with... The name's McDuff, Joe McDuff. <laughs> this is the city. 
And I'm a cop. And this starts, the name's Prower, Miles Prower. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, it's it's doing the hard-boiled noir narration. Yeah. But the title here is specifically The Unbrutten. Yes. And understand that beyond the idea Tails is taking on the mob, that's it. There's nothing more to it than that. But the title is The Unbrushables, as in The Untouchables, as in the real life. Well, I mean, it's probably a reference to the film, which was, what, 10 years old at this point. Mm. The 80s film, The Untouchables, which was itself based on... Um, a book which was about the real life like uncorruptible law enforcement guys who worked under famous super cop elliot ness back in the oh, 20s 30s thereabouts must have been because he was fighting against al capone wasn't he i think that's right yeah so in my head i like i default with tales's narration to robert stack who played mm. uh, elliot ness in the 50s and 60s tv show the untouchables <laughs> the name's prower miles prower though most will call me tales no prizes for guessing why. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that's necessarily what Stringer is channeling here. He's just channeling a generic, you know, what you were doing. And all the gin joints in all the world. It just a dame walked in, she had legs until next Tuesday. You know. Yeah, it's the noir narrator who's yeah. in so many modes and so many things. I mean, I had a frame of reference for some of this stuff as a kid. Like, you mentioned Al Capone, and we knew who he hmm. was from cartoons and things there is a, actually the there world. is a specific story where i learned who al capone was <laughs> it was 89 this comic came out it was a comic called wanted oh. it ran for only six issues but and I, I got a couple of them and it was about mobsters but like cartoon anthropomorphic animal mobsters oh. and the mobsters it was about were budgie malone and owl capone <laughs> And I could recognize that Budgie Malone was a reference to the gangster movie with kids playing the roles of, of Bugsy Malone. But I didn't know what Owl Capone was a reference to, and I had to ask my mum. Oh. And thus I learned who Al Capone was. <laughs> so the strip, anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, this is a comic, and it's yeah. about tales. Nice to see Max Gamble. But I was... I, I had a kind of a heart sink as I started reading this, because I was as soon as the narration started, okay, this is a noir joke. I haven't really seen any of them, and I certainly haven't seen The Untouchables. Mm -hmm. So so I was like, mm, now, yeah, I won't begrudge a, a reference strip, even to something that I was, like, too young to have seen at the time. The Prisoner one was fine. You know, but that sort of basically repackaged the idea of the Prisoner for us, so the context was all there. Um... I don't think I would have been into this. I don't remember, but I don't think at the time I would have been into this because when you got something where everyone's suddenly dressing and talking a certain way that's from stuff I don't know, oh, uh, it's another reference one. Um, it's going to be people doing amusing impressions of stuff I've never seen. Mm, but it's not, as it turns But it's out. not, no. Yeah. It's just, uh, they just have the idea of Tails' narration running through the story to give it that yeah. flavour. And I was into that because of the thing with Forbidden Planet 2 being narrated like this. Yeah. But there is a great excuse here because we do have an established casino environment in yeah. Sonic. And, and this an is playing on that. casino baddie. Yeah. In Max Gamble. I think at this point I can safely say, okay, Lou, I freaking get it. Can you ease off, please? Because <laughs> it's another story where, like, the end point is like, if well, if we all get together and stand up against the bullies, yeah, I suppose so. I'm like, okay, I get it. What have you got that's new? I suppose so, but um, it invites that because the character of the story was always standing up against the despot, and now that despot's gone. There must be a certain feeling of flailing in the wind. Like, what? What do we do? 
I guess we make new despots for these guys to oppose. I do like how Dobbin has drawn these Mobians, though. Mm. I particularly like this Warthog guy. That's a really sonicy looking Warthog. Yes. He's got the big eyes. Because it wasn't so long ago Dobbin drew that hedgehog family that freaked our nuts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even since then, I'm like, well, look at that. That guy's that guy's a sonic piggy looking guy there. He looks just nice. So anyway, yeah, the big moment where Tails rallies the people is actually happens three pages in. So there's two, two pages left to wrap the story up with still. That's true, yeah. Let me re-examine how that's actually done. What happens on those last two pages? Yeah, that's when he goes in and catches Gamble on the phone <laughs> to Dr. Robotnik. Oh, now I really loved the way that he reveals what he's like to his goons is by filming him mm. with this camera that's on the floor of Max Gamble's room because... That it's all set up on page two. Yes, I didn't. When I read this the first time, I was like, why is there a camera on the floor mm. of the room? And now that we're going back through it again, it's only now that I've noticed the camera was in a pile of stuff that right. the goons took from someone who couldn't pay the protection money and instead had to give them all his worldly yeah. possessions. So we have this scene where they come into the office and go, Hey boss, we got all of this stuff instead of uh, money. The guy said yeah. he had no money, so we took what he owed. We took good, huh, boss? And it's like, yeah, was it an, an alarm clock, a radio, toothbrush and toothpaste, candlestick, teddy bear, false teeth. Of course. TV and a video camera. And I did spot the video camera as a child who spent the first 18 years of his life longing for a video camera. It is stapled into my brain as something to notice and be interested in. So I saw that fall and I was like, oh, it's got a video camera there. She and Max doesn't think to tidy, to tidy up. up. Yeah. No. Just pick up that crap those guys dumped there. No, yeah. instead he just turned right around and got back on the bloody well, computer, didn't he? Couldn't relate. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Um... Did you see the little fella that Nigel Dobbin hid in the strip? Little fella hid in the strip. Yeah. Okay, so get to page three and four. Uh-huh. Turn your comic upside down and zoom into that purple panel with your eyes. Zoom in. Oh, yeah. Look at that. What's that little fella doing there? In the sky, there it randomly... This is a little bone. Phony bone. Yeah. Is just flying in the sky. And there's nothing... It's not a guy who looks a bit like a character from Bone. That's Phony Bone. That's just him. Fonsible B. Bone. Known popularly as Phony Bone. He is the scheming, conniving brother. The, the gag is that basically the main Bone is this sweet, innocent, heroic guy. Protagonist guy. But he's got this brother who's just a nasty little villain and drags him into trouble all the time. And uh, that's him up there in the sky with his little characteristic Charles Schultz frown on his face. And I think he's meant to be a balloon, but I don't know, it might just be phony bone flying in the sky upside down being annoyed. He's surrounded by these little blue ripples. Yes, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that's all about. It's like lightning or, you know, it could be an error. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there are balloons in the sky yes. at other moments, you know, so I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah, there are. Page one, there's a Robotnik one, yeah. so it'll just be that. It'll be one of those. I'm not sure what's going on, actually, in panel one with that sort of odd diamond-shaped one with the face. I almost wonder if that's a reference to something as well. I mean, that just looks like an alien head, just like a face on a balloon. It's just a bit weird. It's got sort of stick legs or hair coming out of it. But anyway. <laughs> Funnily enough, it was James Wallace, the writer of Sonic in the Fourth Dimension, who actually identified this reference for us. Um, it appears to be Gregory by Mark Hempel, who's one of the artists from uh, Game and Sandman. And Gregory was just a indie comic character that he made up that looked like this. There you go. Uh, that's rare. We don't 
as far as I know, we don't often get an artist in STC, including Nigel Dobbin, who's drawn for it for so long, just going, yeah, I'm just going to draw something I like into this. Just going to stick that in here. Yeah. Anyway, I do enjoy the uh, resolution. So, so the idea here is that um, Gamble is going to send this money on to Robotnik, and he will use that revenue to secretly finance a new army of troopers. And mm-hmm. when he returns to power, Gamble will rise up with him. But uh, Kiel sketches it all on film, shows it to the goons, and they're like, we don't want Robotnik back. <laughs> and that's pretty great. I like that. Yeah. Even these crim dickheads don't want <laughs> Robotnik back. Yeah. So then they force him to give all the money back. The second to last panel would be a perfectly fine panel to end the story on. But this is a loose stringer story. <laughs> and sometimes you just gotta force out a little squeaker of a joke. <laughs> They turned into the mob have turned into a real bunch of drips, and that's because someone squirts a water gun at him. Now they have chased them away with water guns. Yes, that's what happens earlier on. Is that? Um... But not this sort. It's more like an actual. Well, it's. I thought it was a you know like a fire engine hose, but it's not. It's a street cleaning hose, yes. isn't it? They've got a vehicle with these tanks on the back that they're squirting them with hoses. That's how the public deal with them. They blast them with these pressure hoses. And it seems to have created a general phobia of water in these mobsters. So if you squirt them with anything... I had a hunch the people wouldn't be worrying about the mob anymore. In fact, they've turned into a real bunch of drips. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it would have been a perfectly fine panel to end on with Gamble turning the money back over to the people mm. and the goons going, Pay back what you got us to steal, Gamble, or you'll need protection from us. He just popped Tails in there looking pleased with himself into that panel. It would have been a perfectly fine panel to end the story on. Perfectly fine joke. It, you know, it's it, I'm feeling the same pressure that Lou's under here now that I'm writing gag strips for kids' comics. Like, I can get into a story and be lost in it and coming up with silly ideas, and then you hit that final panel and you're like, your mind goes blank because you're like, oh, this is the one time it matters I have to put a yeah. joke here because there has to be some conclusion. Because well, you, you're writing one and two page British comics gag strips. Well, that's where Lou comes from. That's Yeah, but this five page Tales adventure strip doesn't yeah. have to end with Tales looking out at the audience and go in A-readers? No, but you do want to end on a button, and one of those is a, a fairly surefire way to do it. I don't know what other sort of button you would end on. I mean, I guess... Well, I, mean, if- I feel like that scene of Gamble handing the money back over with the goon reversing the protection concept to make it a gag mm. is a fine button. I think a good one as well, if you need another one, might have been to lean into the noir narrator thing and have him just, you know, walk off under a streetlight or something, you know, conclude the narration. Mm -hmm, But maybe that would make it seem too serious. Maybe that would make it sound like something you're reading for reals. I don't know. Larger panel, widescreen panel, gamble handing the money back to the people in the goons on the left-hand side. Over on the right, the street stretches away into the distance as Tails walks off under the streetlights. Next issue, Hero of the Beach. Ah, sounds like a tail strip. It does. <laughs> no, yeah, so this one wasn't what... Well, I wasn't afraid it was going to be a noir thing, mm-hmm. but you were, like, afraid that it was. But either way, it wasn't. It was only... I was afraid it was going to be that I needed to have watched a film that I haven't watched, but it turns out no. Well, I feel like Lou Stringer has given you reason not to be concerned about that sort of thing. Yes. Oh, but speaking of... British gag strips. Mm. Just a madman. Just a pain in the 
Look at this. Oh, you bet I had this. <laughs> oh. Well, you had no Sonic Summer special to Exactly. Yeah, even, even though the Diary Zone has, has mentioned how you were lusting after I one, just assuming it would exist. I was Sonic Summer special, so well, this made up for the lack of that. This is Make Sure of Your Fun in the Sun. It's the Buster Holiday Special. Summer just wouldn't be the same without it. Quite right. <laughs> Even though I don't know if there's been one before. <laughs> Holiday special. Oh, yes. Not not summer special. Holiday special. Specifically right, yeah. one for you going away on your holidays. You going away on there, holiday. there has also definitely been one before because it's been advertised before. As, as I remember. It, oh. remember it was him on the back of a bicycle of a, and it yes. had a sign that said Florida on it. And we talked yes, about that, yeah. but it was just like some little vicar peddling his bike yeah, along and he was hitching a ride. dad or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, so this is a now this is a full on '90s production, isn't it? This look, this is bang up to date. You got a big cut. Oh, wait, I should have looked up who the artist is that draws this, but I didn't. Whoever it was that drew Buster at the at the end of its days, Jimmy Hansen, whose style my generation, if we read this sort of comic, will recognise as soon as you see it. We knew him from the Bumpkin Billionaires in the '80s and Shiner, and Ricky Rainbow in Buster, as well as the title strip. Apparently, he's known for working on a lot of things with John M. Burns, the SDC colorist. After Buster, he went on to do Dennis the Menace in the Beano until 2010. He is definitely one of my favorite comic artists, and of course, us being the age we are now, we lost him just before we started this podcast, June 2018. Gary Zamet has done a big cover of him, just like walking through uh, an unmistakably summer holiday environment, even though there's almost nothing to show that. It's just that the sun's, sun's out. out. He got Birds all the big rays. Singing. He's got a Hawaiian shirt on and he's carrying a skateboard. Shorts too. Shorts. shorts. Well, he might have always had shorts. I can't remember. I bet he did. Show off those knobbly knees. Even so, it contributes to the. It does. Summeriness of it doesn't matter. <laughs> Buster, fifty-two pages full of summer fun. Well, okay. What do we need? Do we need to tell them a little bit about what Buster was? I've talked about it enough times. I mean, we've mentioned Buster many times before, but Buster was just one of those big long-running mm. British uh, comics where they ran uh, single and double-page British gag strips. Originally, the character Buster solicited as the son of Andy, Andy Cap, Cap, as I recall, yes. Famous newspaper strip character Andy Cap. Hilarious drunkard Andy Cap. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, Buster, which I've, I've always said on this podcast was like the other thing I read, it wasn't my other big comic. I didn't collect it. I'm just aware of how happy I was while I was reading it yeah. tonight. It's like, if you lined up the Beano and the Dandy and the Beezer and the Topper and the Wizard mm, and the Chips mm, and the mm, Buster, mm. you'd go for the Buster. I'm going for the Buster. And that's mostly because it's just sort of the most up-to-date one. And sadly, it had just two years left. Did it? And as far as I know, it was the last one standing. I think that, that would be it for this whole sort of comic, other than the Beano and the Dandy, until the revival we're currently in, which is glorious, but it's still limited to two titles I'm aware of. That's what I was going to say, yeah. So this is the grand British tradition of comics that we had, generally out of like Dundee and, and places up in Scotland. Well, Buster specifically was by Fleetway. Yeah, hence it being advertised here. Whereas the other one's being mostly from DC Thompson. Yeah, and it was this thing of, it's it's like what we've talked about Lou Stringer is from, and it's what I'm working in now, where it's like each page, different character, here's their gimmick. And it says down here, your favourite comic characters are in a holiday mood and they're sure to keep you laughing from the first page to the last. You've got, these are the characters that are in it. Let's see if we can remember them. Yeah, I did, yes. I hoped we would take a little time to, to go over these. Let's do it. Because... We've talked a little bit in the past about uh, all you needed was a very straightforward one-sentence hook for a British yeah. comics gag character. 
and you could churn out a page every week based on that conceit. Oh, yeah. No bother at all. So we get a little list of who's in the special. And aside from Buster, whose mm. whole deal was that he was a boy. Yep. That was his, his that was his thing. He was a protagonist. He, was a boy. he had boy. a large hat. That yep. was it. He was he was a boy. <laughs> Then X-ray specs. That speaks now, for itself. You may, you may find it hard to believe, but the conceit of this character <laughs> was that they owned a pair of functioning X-ray glasses. Can you believe that? That was what that was. Oddball. This was a favourite of mine when I was a kid. This was a. It was a a, a shape shifting alien yeah. ball. It was just a flying ball with a one big eye in it and a little grinny mouth, and it could turn into anything. And that was the conceit. And it would do so for the benefit of the child who had it. Um, uh, Fuss pot. A girl who was just a bit had a bit of a stick up her arse. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was the conceit of that character. That was a whole thing you could do years that could run for on that. Yeah, it did. The winners would not fly today. I tell you, the conceit of the winners was that it was just this family who would just always came out on top. They would be like, I'm going to enter a competition. Oh no, the competition has gone all wrong. But not to worry, the specific way in which this has gone tits up will get you money. Oh, as long as there was an element of class satire involved, I think you could do it today. If it was ironic. No, <laughs> it probably they always was then. won at the end, and it was always good for them. And well, that's what made, I mean. Yeah, that, if, it yeah. was, if it was that same thing, but we're, we know that we're rolling our eyes, at, oh, it's, this family. it's like, like your, your perfect next-door neighbours who everything goes well for. You know what I mean? If that was the conceit. And it may have been. I don't believe it was. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Tooth. Just a boy, just a boy who, and this character, well, he liked sweets, Steve. Liked his was, sweets, didn't he? Sweet tooth. That was it. That was the whole thing he there. He would eat a lot of sweets. That one would be difficult, I think. You, you've got a gimmick there, but what's the, who wins or loses? What's the story every time? You think that the a girl who is a bit of an arsehole, that's more difficult than a child in constant pursuit of sweeties. No, because because the, the girl who's a bit of an arsehole, that's funny all the time. She's always funny. Whereas child who wants a sweet and then gets a sweet... That's harder to, from the perspective of the writer, to come up with what what do I do now? The child's after a sweet constant quest for sweeties. Yeah, and uh, I mean either e- any of them though definitely beats out the last one on the list here. School bell, which was bell. about a a girl who was pretty, and the terrible travails that went along with being an attractive white person. No, I think my memory of school bell is that there were other people who had to put up with her. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> How dare that person be attractive? Yes, and another thing about School Bell that was kind of great and just speaks a lot about this kind of comic is that she wasn't actually drawn <laughs> that attractive. Like, she looked like everybody else. It's just and that... Scrunch-faced, grosser guys. Yeah, and... it's just that she had she had her legs out and she had... How do I describe it? She would, like, move about as if she was fit. <laughs> yeah, posing constantly. Yeah, yeah, and that was... Hand behind the head, knee, leg up. Yeah. yeah, but that was drawn in a kind of grotesque way and was funny as well. I feel like, um... I think Tom Patterson was doing those. And, and yeah, I'm sure he must have done some of them. Yeah, but. and drawing her the way that he was drawing everyone with, like, little, you know, little twirling a finger and, and knobbly yeah. knees. And, but, yeah. but the guys are all lusting after the knobbly knees and their tongues are sticking out. <laughs> and it's, it, the question is, like, what's so special about this? Um, anyway, that's just a few of the regulars who will keep you amused. There are old favourites, too, acknowledging that they're doing reprints, presumably. I, I don't know if it means that. I suppose that it may mean characters who did not originate in the pages of Buster. Mm-mm-mm. Like... Face ache, a boy, boy who could pull, pull, pull faces. faces. 
Uh, That's unfair, actually, because his whole deal was that he could crunch his face up. Scrunch! He could really pull faces. He could almost shapeshift his face. Was yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like, that was, he could pull faces so horrible that they looked like monsters and stuff. He could pull faces to the extent that it was noteworthy. Well, that was at a point in time when gurning was at its greatest national popularity. The idea of pulling horrible rubber faces. And this was drawn by Ken Reed who also created the thing I work on, Martha's Monster Makeup. So his mm. his whole stick was... His whole was thing was nasty faces. Making nasty faces. <laughs> and he was so good at drawing these nasty faces. Look it up. Um, Frankie Stein. Frankie Stein, Kid Kong, Draculas, mm. and others. And the conceit of those is, what if it was them monsters but funny? Uh, young and funny. And <laughs> everyone listening who cares about this kind of comic, right... You want to be reading The Phoenix and Monster Fun. They're the two ones that are right out now. They're the properly good revivals of this sort of thing. Monster Fun is this cover to cover, including like everything that Chris just read out. Yeah, Frankenstein, Kid Kong, and Draculas all in Monster Fun. The monster characters, they're all in Monster Fun. So that's what Monster Fun is, and I'm working in that with my wife, Abby. Because that's that's where those characters originated, was mm, yeah, Monster yeah. Fun, and they've, they've survived the death of Monster Fun to be revived here in Buster. Which I think was already gone. I don't remember Monster yeah, Fun oh, yeah, being yeah, there yeah, in our childhood. Gone already, yeah. That's what's been revived. It's a comic about monsters. And then the Phoenix is the same again. Like in Monster Fun, you've got the best, the funniest artists working in this field in the UK right now. A revival of that whole sort of comic that Buster was, but without the monster theme. So on the one hand, it's got absolutely bonkers new kinds of comedy that the kids are proper lapping up. If you read The Phoenix now, some of the stuff that like Jamie Smart and Joe List and Jess Bradley are doing, you are going to howl. They are really funny. And then on the other hand, it's got more serious stories as well, including some actually serious ones, serial things. And there's a bit of that in Monster Fun as well. Classic titles, I think, in that one. And then in The Phoenix is new ones. And also, The Phoenix has got Zach Simmons Hearn in it, who was one of the early days STCO guys. And of course, both of them have got Abby in. And Monster Fun's got me in. So those comics are also fam. <laughs> <laughs> so go and have a look at those two things, Monster Fun and the Phoenix. But I have to say, I think um, Hell's Angel, which is a new character mm. that's been created for Monster Fun, that's, that's got to take it for me as the balls-out funniest thing in the magazine. It feels like a Viz strip that's accidentally <laughs> snuck into a kid's comic. Which is exactly how it should be. Anyway, if you miss this sort of comic, it's going on. Get those two things, you will not regret it. Right, so, Buster, Summer Special. Make sure you don't miss out, grab a copy while you can, on sale Wednesday the 16th of July. And I didn't have the chance, but I'm pretty sure I've got this in one of my boxes of old I'm comics. Sure, yeah, you must I'm gonna have. I'm going to have to find How it, would yeah. you miss out? Stop! Emergency drop-in time, because I have I got as far as printing this episode and doing all the stuff I do to it and being about to upload it, when I found out that the reason that they're talking about, like, Monster Fun characters being in this is because until, I think, last year, there had been two Buster specials every summer since the 70s. There was just the Buster Summer Special, but then also there was the Buster and Monster Fun Summer Special. Because the thing about Monster Fun is, after it had been a print comic, its characters got, like, merged into Buster. But the name survived in the form of Monster Fun Annuals and these Buster and Monster Fun Summer Specials. Now, the Buster Summer Special actually stopped in 1993, but the Buster and Monster Fun Summer Special didn't. And that carried on until 1996, at which point it went back to being called the Buster Summer special but it had these monster fun characters in it and that is why they go on about that on the advert but here's the thing 
1997, this year, they did that again. They did a Buster Summer Special with monster fun characters also in it and advertised. And then that was it. So this is the last Buster Summer Special. And I think the last issue of Monster Fun until the revival that me and Abby are involved in. Golly! Gosh! Ben on the center pages. <laughs> Tis himself. Yeah, so this is the promised pinup of Elliot, the boy from Knights. Um, not Knights on the Sega Saturn, as it says there. Not an especially interesting character to look at. It's just an anime boy. Um, standard issue blue hair. Um, Pulled from the, uh, an opening cinematic you or must an advert be, yeah. or something, I assume, because the resolution is good enough that it's survived being made a double-page spread. Just about. And he's walking down that corridor of weird colours like Clarice... Clarice... Clarice was Clarice in the uh, in the previous pinup, which was many issues ago, surely. Quite some time ago, yes. It's been a bit of a break between nights pinups. But then when we turn the pinup over, uh, we're uh, it, it, it oh. throws it all out of whack here. Now it's all Oof. gone wrong. The whiplash. Instead of putting the next issue page here on the back of the pinup where they've been putting it for the last little while, yeah. Since they cut the pages down and just decided to start playing silly buggers with the layout of the comic. <laughs> They put the speed lines here in the middle of the comic speed lines. I think I think this is not the last time they'll see this. I think it might start living here for a while. Oh no, you wouldn't just put it there once. That'd be really weird. Yeah. Didn't I say last issue that I feel like I'd be comfortable having speed lines in the middle? But I don't know why I said that. No, because you're not, are you? Oh, it's because I didn't want the next issue page in the middle. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So we're not going to do the speed lines now. That's for the end of the show. Yeah, but now you know. This is where it is. That's where it is. And the actual next issue page is now on the back cover, which is fine. That's that's yes. that's a good. So I don't know why the speed lines isn't where it always is on the inside back cover, yeah. and the next issue page isn't just a back cover. Yeah. And the advert page, which in this case is simply the subscription coupon, yeah, printed on the inside back cover, yeah. isn't on the back of the pinup. But I guess it's because they want you to cut it out a coupon from it, notionally. Yeah, they expect you to pin this up. So they're not going to put that on the back of a pin-up, I guess. Yeah. Bah! There may even be... Maybe it isn't an individual decision. Maybe there's an in-house rule at Fleetway. No cut-out coupons on the back of pin-ups. I refuse to believe <laughs> that that has not happened multiple times. I cannot prove it without getting up. No. <laughs> and therefore... And so I won't be. As with so much in life, it will go unexplored. <laughs> but no, there's no way that they haven't put adverts that have contained clippable coupons on the back of pinups before. Oh, they've definitely done that. No, I know for sure they've done that. In particular, the yeah. one where you had to cut out the thing for jam jars. That was on the back of a... But perhaps... Adverts with coupons is not the same subscription as coupon subscription coupon. That's something they would control more. It's, yeah, it could be. But anyway, as we're not going to do speed lines now, let's hop over to the... Diary Zone. I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad... Welcome one and all to the ancient tome, the book of knowledge, the book of truths and wisdom. I am... So on it. This is this is my teenage diary from the two weeks this comic came out, so we can see what well at least what one of your dear hosts was up to at this time in their development. And I guess we can extrapolate from that. Chris can just sort of think and imagine what he was up to at the same time. And I try not to think too hard during this segment. 
<laughs> well, how about we start off then with what do you think you were doing this summer? We're a bit older, but it is the summer holiday, isn't it? Well, no, I, I know that my summer holiday was in Florida this year. Ah. First time visiting America. But that's that's past now. We're into August. Oh, you've so already been there. God alone knows what I was up to in August. I'm just kicking about now, just remembering. Scratching me bum. Yeah, let's play America, you're saying to everybody. Whereas last issue, Dave went to a place was horrible to everybody and decided that he liked being alone. <laughs> what a journey that was. So so in the come down from that then, how am I getting on? Well, on Wednesday, the 6th of August, 1997, life rules! <laughs> well, it is the summer holiday, of course life rules. Still, but it's the fact that you begin with that at the age of 15. Because, because uh-huh. something ridiculous has happened. You have found... <laughs> Some Muppet Babies <laughs> Pog. You have Banged found right. some Power Ranger shoes. accurate character assassination there from Chris. Correct. Correct. From Orbit. <laughs> life rules. Let's review, shall we? On the Friday of last week, the greatest holiday of my life. This, and that is, lest the audience have forgotten yep. and blocked it from their mind as I have tried so hard and failed <laughs> to do when Dave refused to leave the house mm-hmm. and be anywhere with his family mm-hmm. and simply spent a day indoors watching television. What was it? My so-called life. Yeah, that's right. And spying on people out the window with his binoculars. <laughs> that's right, yeah. The greatest holiday Dave has ever had. I would say the holiday I had uh-huh. was the greatest holiday I had uh-huh. uh, up to that point mm. in, in my life in summer 1997 when I went to flipping Disney World. Mm. Never been to Disney Dave's World. Greatest, Dave's comparative point is... Because I've never been to Disney World. Watched teens um, yeah, um, through curtains with binoculars. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid not being a member of the bourgeoisie, I, I've been un- unable to oh, go to Disney World. Um, <laughs> oh, my, no, It's oh my. definitely not even the best holiday that I'd had up to this point. It's just... It was a week of discovery. It was... Uh, it was It was learning to enjoy my own company. Um, learning to enjoy something. <laughs> so... In the greatest holiday of my life, I decided, you'll recall at the end, that the only things left that could improve my life now were possession-based. Well, on Monday, I bought the Games Factory. That was one of them. What I wanted was this game-making software, and I've bought that now. Now I can I can settle down. I never make a game with it. Mm. doesn't matter. I've, I've got it. That's that ambition that's been going on for nearly a year of Diary Zone since We've the Amiga. We've been hearing about it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Nailed. That's done. And the other... Today, out of the blue, Dad said, Could you come to town with me, please? Well, I racked my brains, filing each and every piece of knowledge, trying to think of a reason why Dad would want me in town. Mum's birthday? No, that was last week. And then he said, I want to look at scanners. (gasps) I was taken aback. Do you? I said, sounding surprisingly calm. That's nice, because I want to look at those too. So we went. Turns out Dad just got a pay rise. So he's bought himself a tandem and now a scanner. (laughs) Hey, tandem bicycle? Yeah, yeah, he's a, yeah. I know your dad likes to bike, but... He's, he likes his cycling, and he thought it'd be nice if he could take his kids out and his wife out with him. And did we come out with him? <laughs> That's, that was my next question. <laughs> I came out with him. I think mum... No, actually, I think mum and my little brother did go out on the tandem with him a few times. Because, of course, now I'm obsessed with being left home alone. So I'm like, yeah, you go out on your cycle. I'm I'm just sat there going, yeah, I'm going to watch the telly. This bicycle allows for two people to leave the house. Yeah. Three people. 
a three-person tandem? Isn't that what a tandem is? Isn't it three people? Maybe I not. It's just two. Maybe it's just two, and it would I mean, just you could be probably get three ones. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, can't remember because I was never on it. I like the idea that he bought a four-seated one for the whole oh. family, and there was just one seat never used. Yeah, his antisocial teenage son yeah. just wasn't having it, and he always like. You know, sets the table for it in whatever however you would do that. He puts a he puts an STC on it, hoping I'll the go. Seat off, <laughs> looks at it for as he puts the bike away. Looks at it forlorn. Yeah. Years later, he cast his eye over it there, dusty in the yeah. corner. The leather of three seats, worn, puckered, <laughs> yeah. and punctured from the many years of arses upon them. One pristine, untouched. His dead son, who never... Still with the <laughs> sketch pad and pencil he'd put there to entice me onto it. <laughs> so I've been scanning ever since. Now I get to show everyone my drawings! Yeah, this is our Whee! first flatbed scanner we've ever had. Sunday the 10th of August 1997. So the good news is that Braid, who's a guy I know on the internet has figured out how to use his mail program, so I'll be hearing from him on a regular basis. We started the Dizzy FAQ file, and so oh, far, that's right. it this rules. Is, the that, is this the one that's all full of lies that you want that's to trick right. Americans with? Yeah, I yeah. think at this point, it might be full of truths. You know, we're starting... I'm just talking about how we're putting character profiles, listing the dates different games are available. You'd have enjoyed this stage of the fact file. It's just... It's just I love a fact file. It's a fact you know. file, yeah. This guaranteed to be more to the point and informative than anything I could look up on the internet about Dizzy today. Mm, maybe. Well, there's Wikipedia entries. Yeah, yeah, but then I'd have to go through a timeline of linear releases and then it'd be in between and it just wouldn't. It just would I just know it wouldn't. It simply would. Like, the, all the information would be there on Wikipedia. Yeah. But I just know it wouldn't be presented in as clear and to a point a man. <laughs> Listeners, here's a, here's a moment I'm going to take you back. Bring back the FAQ. Here's what I'm telling you about, right? FAQ. Frequently asked questions. Why am I talking about it as if it's a, a Wikipedia? Because the way that this used to work is that you'd go on a mailing list or some kind of community and you would go, Hi everyone, I'd like to know the names of all the games in the Mario series. And they would all slap their foreheads and say, Check Look, the read the FAQ. And it was what you had to do on the way in. Understand that, no, but this does still exist today. Does it? And it exists in the form of Discord. And people getting angry with you and telling you to read the pins. Exact same thing. But if there wasn't already a community based on something, then you got to have the fun of writing the FAQ. So me and my dizzy fan friend, Braid, are writing this down. And during it, and it's not, I don't think it's going to come up during this, but during it, I just start to decide to trick Americans and start writing down fake synopses for... Because the Sonic one, for the Sonic mailing list about Archie Comics, you had this FAQ where they'd done a review of every single issue. Or rather, they did this in the group and they'd stuck it in the FAQ every month. And you read it and you thought, well, this can't be real. This sounds so <laughs> fake and stupid. Yeah. That I, that's what we do with FAQs. Yeah. So I did that with Dizzy and I wish I still had it. I wonder if I'll ever find it anywhere because, God, I had fun writing out this fake comic series for flipping dizzy i dreamt it was the first day back at school and we were only going to have one teacher this dream shows that i'm already nostalgic for school yeah i miss my friends oh well who cares <laughs> wednesday the 13th braid is just me he is as well as being a dizzy fan he's seen return to the forbidden planet no probably a small amount of crossover there all right yeah 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 went and watched Got any guesses? What have I gone and watched today? 
hang on, it's 97. Yeah. We went through this already. We did, we, we yeah. did, men, and, men and we black. decided on. Yeah, Men in Black, yeah. which is what is known as cool. And that's basically it. <laughs> which, is, which is what is known as colon cool. QL. <laughs> Um, and that, Did you write QL? No, it was cool, no, just what's known cool. as cool. I think we're kind of at the back end of QL. Mm, I think we are. 97. I think we were yeah. at the back end of it when we were saying it. <laughs> nah, didn't feel like it. <laughs> Not at the time. And that's it. I'm currently listening to the Last Day of School 1993 tape and feeling very nostalgic. God, this brings back memories. This is really getting to me, actually. I'd better stop. Night. And I go to sleep with a little single tear in my eye. <laughs> so I'm really missing school. Here's a little bit of body horror for you. Oh, boy. Thursday the 14th. The tooth. The, the tooth. tooth. The tooth that has been... The tooth. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. The next strip in this comic is called The Tooth. The Tooth. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Well, they, 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 this is a flipping coincidence, then, because it's all about dentistry horror. Stop. I bet there are some listeners who are all squeamish about dentists. Uh, if that's you, then when we get to the bit where I'm going to say what the dentist does, which is fine, by the way, everything's fine, nothing horrible happens, but anyway, if you're squeamish about dentists, I will tell you when that bit's about to happen, so thumb poised over the pause button, and I will tell you when to skip to. Okay, the tooth that's been, quotes, wobbly for a whole year and a bit. I, this tooth, it didn't do the normal thing of going wobbly and falling out. It did... Yeah. I think I've mentioned this before. My tooth grew in, and it just pushed the existing tooth out of the way, but it didn't really go wobbly. So what was left was I had the first tooth, the milk tooth, was like at the side, in, in, in the side of my gum in my mouth. And it was wobbly, but only in the sense that it was only attached by one edge. And it was just, I think it was just wedged between teeth rather than actually being in the gum. But the thing is, it must have dug into the gum. because So my, what I thought this tooth was, was still fully connected because it would bleed every day. Mm. At about one o'clock, it would bleed every day. Set your watch by it, you could. You, you could, and it wasn't because I was eating. This it would do, I remember it, I, had, I usually had maths. And it would just, I'd be like, it's about to go, I'd get my tissue. And yep, there it goes, and I'd put a tissue in my mouth because the tooth was going to bleed. So in my head... I'm imagining it connected by cords and blood vessels. And of course it's not. I'm sure it was just digging into the gum and making it bleed. Because yeah, I'm the, flipping... The tooth was cutting the gum. Because yeah. I'm fiddling with it with my tongue. <laughs> so I go to the dentist. Maybe for a regular checkup. I don't know. Oh, all right. Uh, time to say goodbye to our squeamish... Listen, anyone who doesn't have a known and debilitating phobia of hearing about dentists specifically will be fine listening to this. It's not that gross. It's just a bit funny. But if you are like that, then see you later. You want to hop on over to 1 hour, 18 minutes, 50 seconds. I went to the dentist. Boink. Well, he said he would flick it out. So he put green mint flavor stuff at the bottom and he couldn't get it out. Oh. So he lodged his little mirror behind it you know the mirror on a stick that dentists have he lodged that behind it and his thumb behind that and he says this won't hurt a bit <laughs> and then he placed his knee on your chest and heaved i remember the knee on the chest but it can't be true it can't be true what he did <laughs> well it says here and it didn't hurt, because he numbed it with the green gel. Mm -hmm. But what he did, with his mirror lodged behind the tooth, he punches the handle of the mirror. So this, this long stick is coming out of my mouth, and he just whacks that down with his fist. I felt it come out. Yeah. 
but it didn't hurt in, in the way that you feel when anything is numb. But it didn't hurt. Feel, yeah, but you didn't. Yeah, but it wasn't out. What? So he had to give it another sharp, hard. Oh my god! Whack. So he's the executioner had to swing the axe twice. <laughs> you know, couldn't get it off in one clean blow. And that's it. That's the tooth out. Back home again. The last episode of my so-called life aired today. Sigh. That's it then. No more. Fortunately, like Saved by the Bell, all those, all those four years ago, I didn't see the first few, so I'll watch them next time round. Listener, I have never seen it again. <laughs> Not even in being nostalgic. I'm going to because now I'm nostalgic doing this, but never saw it again. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. You immediately stopped caring. Yes. Is what happened. It, just, it was gone. Friday the 15th. Went to Men in Black again with my friend Ooh. Andy this time and his dad... And then, something momentous. In the, do we call it the forecourt? In the car park area of the big cinema. For the first time, I went to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh my god! (laughs) I loved the stuff. Ah, I can viscerally remember what it was like to taste KFC for the first time. And and in 1997, when it still tasted of anything. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this is post-COVID talking, but like... I feel like there's been a distinct drop in the flavour of KFC since 1997 because I think we're just older and our mouths yeah. are more dead. You got to get yeah. a zinger now to to taste anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that genuinely could be it. No, no real shade because we were poor little children in the United Kingdom. All we knew was salt and disappointment mm. to spice our foods with. Yeah, the Colonel's secret eleven herbs. Yeah, a taste sensation in our inexperienced mouths. Exactly. Oh, I was amazing. Do you remember what it tasted like by then? I couldn't, like, I couldn't describe it to you here. Well, no, right now, but I can who can describe a taste? The idea of the feeling of yeah. it. it was like, yeah, it was, di- wasn't it? It was different, wasn't it? The normal food, including stuff like McDonald's <laughs> and special silly food. Like, well, I can't. I think KFC could have been the first one of the famous families of fast food that I could have had. Oh, really? Because McDonald's didn't open in, in here in Derry until... Hang on, I can look this very up specifically because it was in the big new shopping centre that oh, opened. Oh, wow. 95, 95 uh, was when that shopping centre opened, which had the first... Not, I'm not saying it was the first McDonald's in Northern Ireland. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. We didn't have, have one... Uh, although, mind you, first McDonald's in Northern Ireland was in Bradbury Place in 1991. Oh so, my god! Yeah, there you go. So not yeah. Wow, I've been eating McDonald's since the eighties, since I re- since I remember, you know. And it was a treat. You had to go far to find one. Yeah, but, oh, yeah. I just feel like KFC might have been here before then. Um, KFC in this town has always been bad. No, mm-hmm. not the quality of food, just the quality of the place, the quality of the restaurant. There is still one here, but the one that used to be in the centre of town closed, uh, and then another fried chicken restaurant opened in exactly the same building Mm. (laughs) yes that's now that sort of every other food place in a town is a fried chicken place i wonder yeah the fried chicken wars are are fought on every front yeah yeah i wonder if that was true back then i don't think it was don't think so no because everything is named some variation of hmm. or pun on kentucky fried chicken yes that's true finger licking chicken it's just 
it's so delicious. <laughs> uh, the way I remember it is so delicious, and I, I, I kind of want to try like who, who's out there making the good fried chicken now? Like, the, like uh, now I've got a bit more money in my pocket and can try something more expensive than KFC. Is there someone making it really nicely? I could not <laughs> tell you. Thing is, though, when I when I was younger, the start of this, back the time we're talking about here, I would mm. always have a, I would get a kids' meal in Kentucky Fried Chicken, which is just a drumstick and chips. Yeah, yeah. which is not. You wouldn't have that now, you know. Yeah. You have to have a burger now, and that's not the same thing. I would, I think, no, yeah. I like a chicken wing as much as the next man. Yeah, unless the next man is my friend Jeff, who will not eat food off the bone. Oh, true enough. Bones are just far too much baller. But I would never order unless it was like a portion of wings for yeah. the special purpose that one has wings. <laughs> I'd never go into a KFC and order like chicken off the bone. Uh-huh. No, I just give me a nice goujon or dipper or whatever, you know? I am a uh, burger or a, a wrap. I like their wraps. Yeah, They're wraps nice. Good too. Wraps good um, too. But if I'm wanting to feel nostalgic, do you know what? We've bones. talked about this already in this. Uh, well, bones? Indeed, bones, Chris. Because we've already mentioned bone, the comic in this mm. issue. And my KFC, my big KFC, like, nostalgia is that when I was at university, once a month, I would treat myself to a bone book and down the road from the Forbidden Planet in Liverpool, KFC, upstairs, bone book with one hand. Oh my god, I couldn't do that. Oh no, those would be... Couldn't do it now. Couldn't do it now. Outstretched arms. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be, I mean, I was doing, I was doing to, uh, that to an extent, but... How still, are you turning the pages? With one hand. Oh, you, oh, but then that runs the risk of crinkling the page if you if your thumb just goes in slightly the wrong direction. Well, you've got to be as good at it as I am, I guess. You've you got to be practiced. You've got to be a pro page turner. Imagine reading books and eating food at the same time. Did you ever hear the like? I know, I know. Mad we were, Joe. Do you know, I'm a, we're about to start the endless process of clearing out the attic. And what I've got up there is all my old bone books. And what I've got down here is the collected edition. Ooh, time for it. Because, of course, when you're a grown-up and you get it off the bone, you don't get a drumstick. You get a drumstick and a chunk. Yeah, and, you get uh, a bucket, and you eat the whole bucket yourself, and then you cry. That's what we all do, right? Uh-huh. Good, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, what we're, what uh, what I do, if I'm having that, is it's a leg and a, a, a bit. It's all ribs and breast, and, it's, and, it's, sure. and it all goes in the wrong directions. Like, even when I was a teenager, I didn't really like this bit, because the, the fibre of it, it's hard to bite. You know, it's difficult. There's grease running down your arm. That's where you can't just be a nice chicken strip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I started yeah. eating more McDonald's. I, I, I couldn't have told you the last time I went to McDonald's for a long time. So like you just said there, yeah. you, McDonald's was a treat and you had to mm. go special. And... I can't even conceive that, you know, now as an adult, the idea of going to a McDonald's special, or worse yet, and I, I, this is not judgment anyway, the idea of ordering a McDonald's in? Oh god, no. It just seems wrong to no, me. No, you like, know. Of late, in this year, as I have tried to, you know, that joke about crying into a bucket of chicken was <laughs> a joke. But it's going to pair very well with this very sad <laughs> sentence that, as a guy who works from home, in an effort to leave the house during the day more often, uh -huh, uh -huh, yeah. this year I have taken to going out a couple of times a week to get some lunch somewhere instead of eating yes. in. And occasionally I will go to the McDonald's yeah. and have some chicken strips. I'd never, I would never, 
<laughs> in my day's dream of eating a burger and chips really in the middle of the day for lunch oh uh, I just would because that's just a step too far no I just simply would no it's, but it's a great lunch not that I go very often a box of chicken dippers that'll be yeah. nice yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that is that is nice enough that I would classify it as real food. But what you don't get from a box of chicken dippers, or indeed, as far as I know, this could be wrong. I don't really eat them. Chicken strips from KFC, even, mm-hmm. is that beautiful crisp coating that you get on a on a well, you, you leg get from a, KFC? You get a crunchy bread crumb coating, but you don't get that crispy KFC mm. skin. Mm. And the thing is, it's different things. The thing is, it's kind of floppy now. I don't think they're doing it right anymore. It used so to be so. Take it up with the kernel. Yeah, it used to be so gorgeous and crispy and delicious and oh my god! So there, there it is. There's the day. Twenty-six years ago, this week is when I first experienced that glory, a new taste, that rare experience in life, a new flavor. The Tooth! Written by Nigel Kitching and Richard Rayner, art by Mick McMahon, letters by Tom Frame. District dentist Neris H. Aberystwyth abruptly barges into Castle Frankenstein and begins examining an unwilling Chuck, drilling his teeth with a jackhammer and filling them with cement. Until the prof appears to tell her she's in the wrong castle. This is brilliant. It's... I love... This is brilliant. I love this. But it is also... Absolutely nothing. It's just jokes. It's not even just jokes. It's just one joke. And it just runs for five pages. With basically no explanation. Two and a half pages of quite disturbing violence. Yep. And then the remaining half of that page used for some great meta-commentary laughs. Yes, that's... And then a denouement. And that's it. That saved the strip for me. Halfway through page four... After literally, yeah, two and a half page the, uh, saved introdu- the strip. Were you not laugh- Were you not having a chortle at this? No, I mean, I d- I don't go in for oh dentist stuff because that's <laughs> never been my experience of a dentist. I don't think it's functionally true. I think it was uh-huh. true for a couple of generations yeah, ago, probably. and like we've been talking it. about throughout this episode, it's lived on through presentations of dentists in media by previous generations writing their stories about okay, it. Okay, no, let me let me present the version of this strip that I saw. The version of this strip that I saw is that out of nowhere, someone cycles up to the castle and then almost without commentary just does violence on Chuck for two and a half pages. And I think that's really funny. It reminded me of beating up the brain, you know? I gotta gotta have a reason. (laughs) There's a reason for the brain. That was the joke at the end of a six-part story. If this had just been... I think that's it. If there genuinely hadn't been this joke in the middle, which we'll come to in a second, and it had just been four pages of Chuck Kidd and his face beat in, and then the prof go turning up and going, saying, you're in the wrong castle, and she goes, well, it'd be on my bit to be off then. And then she goes away. And that's it. Uh, that uh, No, I would have wrote it off and called it the worst decap going, honestly. I genuinely Really? Would. Oh, I find that so funny. There's nothing to it. Yeah. I, I can't have... I simply can't. <laughs> I can't do it with a strip where there's nothing to it. <laughs> okay. There's no, there, was, there was no idea here. There was no idea that went into telling a story. What if we did a story where a dentist... Uh-huh. And it's, it's not like what if we did a story where trains... Because we remember, we, we remember the train story, and it was very, very funny. Yeah. This was very funny. But this is why if a story where dentists 
and they just did all the most boring jokes you've ever seen about it. Oh, what if the dentist caused you to hurt? And what if they did it with big exaggerated tools instead of oh. real dentist tools? This yeah. is fascinating, Chris. I don't listen, listen, listen. I don't. I don't hate it or anything. I, I, it's you know that's the thing. It's not that I hate it. Yeah. It's that I'm so apathetic towards it uh-huh. because there is nothing here. Like, there's nothing for me to get a hold of. Now, if I had sat down to read a comic, be it STC, be it something in that Buster Summer special or anything, where a character did turn up. Do a load of violence to a character and then leave without even the you're in the wrong house gag, let alone the metacondry. I would, no. I was lolling my little I head off of this. I don't know if it had been one page in a Buster special. That's very, that's mm. very different to come on. A five page strip in a comic that's only going to have four strips in it for a little while longer. Ah, uh, shut up. This is brilliant. And it's Mick McMahon drawing all of this ultraviolence yes, as well. Yes, <laughs> McMahon does draw it all very nicely. Now. Every pose is the the biggest extreme of, like, she's got him in, in a grip from behind. She's ripping a tooth out from, like, way in front of her. Now she's up on top of him. She's ripping his tooth up upside down. Now she's stretching his entire neck out on the end of a... What do you call that pincer that she's got his tooth in that? <laughs> all drawn very nicely, but there is also a sort of element where everything is very samey. How do you mean? It's all the same camera angle. Ah, oh, ah, oh, now that now that is a, a a weakness stroke preference of mine. Anyway, I like a bit of same camera angle. See what's happening in the comic. I guess this just lined up with the kind of comic I really like. Sounds like <laughs> I love this. But I will say the joke that does pay it off halfway through page four. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so we've had her <laughs> batter in his mouth with the jackhammer, filling his mouth with cement. And this joke is funnier for how long that went on for. Yeah, yes, yes, that, that, yes, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It managed to save it and put it all together for me. Where she raises a finger, turns to the audience and goes, Now, let's pause for a moment here. All you boomers out there mustn't think that real dentists are like this. <laughs> We're just having a bit of fun. <laughs> And then it cuts to And then Chuck. it goes right back to business again. Well, it comes to Chuck with all cement out of his face and looking horrible. I wonder if he's supposed to be zombie-daving something here, but I can't... I can't tell what he's saying. I can't parse it, no. Mmph me the tooth thub. It couldn't be f*** me the tooth hurts, could it? <laughs> no. Mmph me give me the... Give me as yes. Tooth the tooth thub. thub. The tooth sub. Give me the, give me the tooth sub. Brush? Give me the toothbrush? Uh, I don't think thub. What Chuck's no. trying to say is, don't be put off going to the dentist. We're all mighty nice people. Now open up and let me finish. That line, we're just having a bit of fun. Yeah. That did it for me. <laughs> it was like, oh, so you realise you're doing nothing here and just just being silly for four pages. And I'm like, okay. That's what I said. That's why it saved the strip for me. Because it was an admission of how stupid this was. <laughs> it was an admission of how stupid and nothing this was. Have we hit the Have we hit the important words? Because I love me a stupid comic. That's what I like. Anyway, Professor Stein waddles out in his nightgown, which I, I love how McMahon has drawn him here. Yeah. yeah, he's just a sort of rectangle, a triangular rectangle, as it were. Yeah. A tapering rectangle of nightgown with such a funny version of his head coming out of it. Yeah. It's so funny. The way that the second panel of him where he's got his hands on his hips and his head kind of goes down to peer yeah. at them. Yeah. And doesn't it? Shoulders above head height. There's a certain kind of movement to it. That, and I'm trying to think what it reminds me of. And I think it's King Rollo. That, that that, sort of I could see that cut out sure, movement. 
Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? My dear woman, I am the famous Professor Frankenstein. I thought this was old Lord Wobbleberry's place. <laughs> Lord Nine, he lives in the next valley. Oh, I'd better be off then. <laughs> and then, hey, it must be the middle of the night, even though it's not drawn as night in the exterior shots of the castle, because uh-huh. Stein's in his nightshirt and Head's asleep on the sofa. Uh-huh. And then the, the, the strip ends with Head waking up and complaining he's got toothache. Which is a bit random and not very funny. No, it's not very funny. That's the thing. I, I have laughed at the rest of this, but I agree. That's, that didn't give me a, a good laugh. Maybe yeah. because... So I'm, so I'm laughing at the distilled version of this, which is person turns up, enacts terrible violence, and then goes, oh, sorry, wrong house. <laughs> I find that really that, when you put it like that, that's, that's funny. <laughs> but I don't think it's funny enough to span uh-huh. five pages. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but then, but, yes, there is an actual stringer stinger. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not that kind of joke, but there is a stinger. The, the, the kitchen capstone. The kitchen capper. Hey! The kitchen killer. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I really fully get it because like head oh no no sorry i was about to say hasn't head seen this going on no he no, is he's been asleep, fast asleep. i never noticed that all the way through the strip he is on on nearly every page there's one instance of him zuzzing away on a chair asleep and now he wakes up and goes oh oh i could do with the dentist okay that's funnier than i thought i mean is it <laughs> It's like he suddenly randomly got too thick. Why has he got too thick? What's what's that about? You know. Well. Graphic zone on the ball zone. Uh, football. It's football. It's, it's a just football as man. I feared. It's drawings of Sonic playing football, and we've had this multiple times before and there's never yep. anything to say about it really this is it every no. drawing is Re- sonic playing football sonic doing football in different colors we can't identify the teams or or well we did that one time have fun trying to figure yes. it out <laughs> well I can, I mean, we know the first one forest knots forest that's the only one i know Not- that sends nottingham in forest, forest so i bet that's nottingham forest um yeah. this is by reese thomas in loughborough near nottingham Leicester, hey. who has obviously colored his with crayons with full-on big thick waxy 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 yeah. crayons um, and he's clearly tried to mix his colours too. Yes, which you can't, can't do, do with crayons. crayons. Yeah, they've gone all. I suppose tasty. the main yeah. the main colour he's tried to mix is the ball, and it's the implication may be that he drew a full brown ball, and they went, "Oh wait, the current ball they use has a blue bit on. I'll draw that," and I it's mean, gone wrong. Sonic's muzzle looks mixed to me too, like he's tried to mix white and red oh, to make flesh tone. Yes, possibly. And Sonic just looks like he's got a terrible rash. It does, doesn't it? Now, what I do like, an artistic touch that I do like about this... Well, I suppose I ought to mention the, the genitals <laughs> uh, that have been drawn on here. Sonic's shorts are fully see-through. You can see all of his workings inside there. That's his tail. <laughs> but no, the artistic touch that I do like is the little chunks of turf being ripped up by his pleats on his shoes. That's, yes. that's well observed. It's quite... It's like... Uh, clumsy as the colouring is, uh, it's it's quite a an energetic drawing. It is, yes. The, the perspective of kind of like a low angle looking up at Sonic mm. as he goes up to head the ball. It's, it's done by what looks like quite a young child. Young child, yeah. But they've done they've done well. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised to would the mere phrase would be disappointed to learn Reese did not pursue this and hone his talent <laughs> because I think there's some very good fundamentals here. Mm. Joseph O'Malley from Solihull in the West Midlands has done Sonic. He's, 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 he's bouncing, bouncing a ball on his foot, kicking a ball. I don't or know. a snowball. Could be a snowball. It's yeah, not solid. Yes, sir. And he's wearing a, a, a top that says Ast. Aston Villa. Gotta go Ast. Ah, gotta go Aston Villa. Yeah. 
Next one, Philip Darby. Uh, th- th- this is this is interesting, and you'll find out why in a minute. Um, this mm-hmm. is a reverse view of Robotnik. We are seeing him through a goal. I imagine that means he's the goal yes. E, and yes. um, that's that. That's all that that is. And it says keeping up with Robotnik. I'm not sure why. As in goalkeeper. Goalkeeper. Oh, yes, keeper. there you go. That's keeping. why. The reason I think you're, you're making that is because we have on the, the opposite page a very similar picture yes. that's just Robotnik from behind again. Yes. This one by Martin Burden from Washington in Tyne and Weir. The only two Robotniks on this double page spread and both from behind. Both rear views. But the thing about Martin's here is mm. that it's definitely cropped yeah. in from a larger picture. There's obviously a whole team playing football that we're supposed to see here, but they've just decided mm-hmm. to pick on this one bit for some reason. Zoomed in on Robotnik and it's him in a... Well, it looks like a referee's outfit, black mm. with the black shorts, black and white stripes on the top. But it, but it's he's number nine with his name on the back, so he's not the ref. Number nine. So maybe that means Phillips is also zoomed in. But I don't know. Could be. It doesn't look zoomed in. No, not like this one does, where it's obvious yeah. that there's more to see. Yeah. Um, but we've also got Yvonne Mitchell in Canterbury in Kent, who's drawn a sweet little guy, Sonic, isn't he? Yeah. Looks referenced from something. Oh, in fact, wait a minute. It's, it's Marco. Marco. That's what it's, it's referenced from. Sonic. Oh my goodness! I knew I knew that. Yeah, post. It's the, it's he's Marco's got the ball under ball. his arm. No, out doing a thumbs out up. Doing with a the thumbs other up. Hand. Giving us a and grin. She puts Sonic's head on. Yeah, him. and but she's that's what it is. But she's done that well. Yes, and she's given him an STC top. It says STC. That's the name of his team, I guess. It, do you know what what it was that clinched it for me that this was a copy of something? Was the um, sideways pointing out feet? Yeah, yeah. Something about that maybe just realised. Oh, if you were copying Sonic, you wouldn't do a classic cartoon pair of feet like that. <laughs> and of course, it's Marco. It's Marco. Hello, that oh, Joel lovely. Ansel from Sheffield. Well, has done quite possibly <laughs> the singularly most Sonic picture <laughs> sent into STC in 110 issues. Yeah. It's Sanic. Imagine Sanic. You Sonic. all know Sanic. Yeah. In in football clothes, kicking a ball. Blue head, radiating spikes in every direction, like the sun. Big long spiky ears. A, a child. Nothing to do with Sonic face on it. Just a child's drawing of a face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's being a footballer. And he's being a footballer in that child's way, where you know his leg is sort of gradually bending outwards, and a football's coming up it. And has done a Tom Patterson whoosh line there with bash written mm. in it. Bash. Harry Footy Hog. Yeah. He has captioned it himself, himself. not SDC, but Joel Harry himself has written footy Harry hog. Footy Hog. He's written in the ball, Puma King, presuming that was a kind of football. Yes, that sounds right. Mm, doesn't it? And then lastly, Anna Babic, right. or perhaps Anna Babich, from Newbury in Berkshire, has done Sonic and Knuckles on doing, doing football. football. And this is the best drawn one. This is a this is a little cartoonist yes, but it's has done this. clearly copied from a Richard Elson drawing. It's copied, but look at the face on the Knuckles in the background. This is someone who can draw. <laughs> look at Knuckles' little head. It's like a little meme face, yeah. Knuckles. Amy. Starstruck Part 2, written by Lou Stringer, art by Roberto Corona. Bob Corona. Colours by John M. Burns, and letters by Ellen Fell. When Fabian Vian receives another threat on his life on a live TV phone-in segment, Techno traces the call, and she and Amy confront the culprit, Bruiser Magoon, who turns out to be Fabian's old bodyguard. It transpires that, like Bruiser, all the so-called fans that Amy and Techno have been hired to protect Vian from are old employees whose work helped him become a star, and who he never paid. 
The girls force him to fork over the cash, and his reputation in tatters, Fabian's left to start a new job as a nightclub disco DJ. I don't have anything to say about this, I don't think. It, no, there's not much here, is there? <laughs> no, it's just sort of here. Um, my, my memory, I think, we've established on this show was of really disliking Fabian Vane. Mm-hmm. And I think it might be because... I just don't have a response to this strip. It, it just kind of happens and I'm not really very interested in him. Like, he's the baddie. Presumably he must come back. Yes, I'm certain he does. But he is the baddie here. Yes. So I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I like... Big. I like that it's almost like he's on live and kicking or something. <laughs> or going live. I don't know if he is. This could just as easily be something aired before noon on Sunday morning on Channel 4. You know the kind of programs I mean. Yes. We didn't watch them, but you know the ones I mean. Yeah. As much as it could be Zoe Ball with the celebrity getting the phone in on Live and Kicking to talk to the guest. She looks a bit more like whatever her name was before Zoe Ball, but on Live and Kicking. There's something about her that looks a bit like, um, what was her bloody name? Emma Forbes. Emma Forbes. Doesn't even ring a bell. Look, Google Emma Forbes. Have a look at it. In fact, if you look at this very Emma Forbes that came up when I searched, and then the the bottom of page one drawing, you might that could even be a copy of the same oh, picture. Oh, now that you've seen that picture, yes, <laughs> know that. Yes, yes. Okay, you see what I mean? I'm with you now, yes. Yeah. Anyway, we've got Amy here talking about <laughs> it. Anyway. Nothing to say about it, that's the trouble. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Turns out Fabian's a big nose. Uh, I mean, there was, some, there was a funny one. That, so we find out he didn't pay his bodyguard, and then we see that the other people that we saw chasing after him last issue, we see there was definitely a woman wearing a, a lab coat, and she did his plastic surgery, it turns out, you know. Mm. The guy who wrote his songs is there. The one that gave me a good laugh was there's a, a proper construction worker guy, plaid jumper, blue jeans, hard hat on him, and he's a construction worker, and he says, I built your shoes! <laughs> because he stands on <laughs> these built them. huge platform <laughs> shoes, so it, like it oh, I didn't full, get that. Like scaffolding and construction <laughs> job to make those towering edifices. That's great. Yeah, and then it's like, I wrote your songs, I built your shoes, I did your plastic surgery. No payment, no wig. And then the wig guy comes in and whicks the wig off his head as well. And it's like, and it's like oh, that was uh, that was an amusing barrage of stuff, one after the other. And then uh, at the end of it, it's like, he doesn't care. I'm still a superstar. Fans will still buy my records. And then we uh, pan over to reveal that uh, in the span of three pages, he's not the hot ticket anymore. It's new hot celebrity super singer, Peter Android. (laughs) Which is a reference to Peter Peter Andre. popular at the time and who is very much drawn as a parody of peter Andre, yeah this is a drawing of the peter Andre, yeah. slicked gelled hair and the dynamic rock millions hard. of nobbles and bubbles all down him oh uh, well having a six-pack was peter andre's yeah like usp that was literally yep. his yep. thing he would just splash about in the water with his bits out and he and yeah <laughs> this guy's got the slicky gelled hair and the six-pack He's not a robot, though, even though his name's Peter Android. No, I sort of thought that there might be a... You know, the fact that he's drawn kind of gleamy, maybe that was robot, mm. but that's just how you would draw Peter Andre, because he was always covered in oil, yeah, anyway. he was always oiled, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, Lou did not reach too hard for a pun name on that one. Yes, or Bob should have drawn a robot, one of them. Oh, by the way, Jumper Watch. Nope. Amy's Jumper today. Oh, it yes! It says, nice girl on it. Nice girl, yeah. Oh, 
Is that like Spice Girl? Is that a joke about Spice uh, perhaps, Girl? Yes. Nice yeah. girl. And then yes, the uh, two-panel epilogue is that Fabian is now. I, I, he might. I, I thought he was like an entertainer at a child's birthday at first, actually. Uh huh. Just because that one throwing the coke can at him looks like a stroppy child. Well, what do you think it is? I, I think he, given that he's about to play the birdie song, mm. and now they're saying cut the chat and play something decent, it sounds more like an angry. Uh, nightclub crowd to me it could be but there is something very childlike about that one lob in the can that's the thing yeah Yeah. she looks quite little so it could still be yeah he's the dj at child's birthday it's either way it's definitely a come down but yeah it's not very clear is it i feel like i should know more about what's happening no it could be either i put nightclub dj in the summary but it could be a child's party dj yeah but he does look like he's in like a an entertainment venue something about the, that big row of windows on the yeah. wall and that big industrial light on the ceiling yeah this is not he's not been brought into the front room to do music for the kids party well no unless it's the uh it, it is quite similar to the hireable church hall that we all had our kids this birthday parties is... in when we were little. <laughs> yes that, that's not that's not clear enough that joke mm. I mean, I think it's clear enough that he's now working. He's not a he's superstar. Into, he's yeah. not a superstar. Anymore. He's working the uh, the decks as hired entertainment. Yeah. Next issue, spaced out. Okay, could be anything. They're going to be in space. Right. Now we'll flip back to the spaceports. This first letter is from Eric Forey. Eric. In Sutherland, South Africa. South Africa again. Coming in through email. Oh. Out of Africa, they've captioned it for indeed. That is where it did come. He says, Unfortunately, I do not get enough of Sonic's comics. I live at the Astronomical Observatory in South Africa. God damn, son. I saw the Sonic cartoon on TV, but as it was in an African language, I did not understand what was being said. Though it was still fun to watch. Anyway, what I would like to know is how Sonic turned blue. No, an actual relevant question. Yeah, and Megadroid then recounts the origin. No need yeah. to read it out. CSTC for full background. That's obviously a British kid who has yeah. had to move out there yeah. with, with the, the parents, parents work job. at the Astronomy Observatory. Sweet. Flipping heck, mate. That's yeah. pretty neat. I mean, I mean, I bet he didn't think it was cool, but no. I'm 40 and I think it's kind of cool. That's really live, cool. You live at the observatory? Yeah. I mean, having looked it up, it looks like it would be a very lonely existence for a child. It's very remote. You have to zoom out until you can't see buildings anymore to see anything that isn't just bare landscape and mountain and rock. I suppose observatories have to be out there, don't they? I guess. To avoid light pollution so you can see the stars. This kid is living in what is a collection of small box buildings that are even remote from each other. Like, you have to get in a little buggy to get from one to the next because they're spaced out really far and domes and things this child it, it is the arse end of absolutely nowhere this child might never see another child i just i, I love to see these letters come in from international regions even though this has got to be a kid who moved out there if he's he's specifically saying he doesn't understand mm. the african language that it was in he's got to be someone who moved out there yeah just i just like seeing him yeah uh, here's one called quick humor from william martin in wemmel belgium continuing the international yeah. theme uh, Megadroid did not deign to reply to this one, so uh, set your standards oh, yeah. for for comedy <laughs> appropriately. I say, I say, I say, Mr. Wilmer, mm. why is it that sonic speed increases when he has a cold? Hey, dear, no way does sonic speed increase when he has a cold? Well, Mr. Wilmer, I should tell you this because his nose runs oh. and is a pulse. 
Sixes! That joke did not need to be about something that dog. Before we jump to the last letter, I think we should look at the pictures. Yeah. Because the comedy theme continues in this one from Samuel Supple. <laughs> oh, from great Rochester name. in Kent. Sam Supple. I think I'm on our OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a picture of Sonic done up as a jockey. Yes. Uh, riding on the back of a uh, a large black disc yes. with a horse's head poking off the top of it. Can you imagine why, listeners? Well, because that would make Sonic a... Disc! A jockey! Disc jockey! <laughs> However, what's weird about this is that it is yeah. very clearly labelled brackets CD end brackets disc jockey disc jockey but what has been drawn but here is a, is a record a large record yes black. never mind N- never mind never mind CD never mind disc- don't draw attention to it it's actually quite funny I think it's I think that's some of the most intelligent like <laughs> comedy that anyone who sent in like a joke picture or joke letter yeah. to STC has yet displayed yeah yeah um so of course perhaps i need to give people the benefit of the doubt more but i just sort of assumed this was copied out of a joke book or something <laughs> quite possibly <laughs> and then there's another drawing which is this is this is fun isn't it yes it's a little strange but it's fun it is what this is is from william preston in london um william s preston esquire, esquire in london and it is um <laughs> It's Sonic on Blind Date. Blind Date, the TV show. Oh, gosh. The the TV contest show. Which we don't need to explain to anybody, I'm sure. Oh, good. I thought you were about to launch into it. No, no. Just just clarify. You said he was on Blind Date. And I was like, not a Blind Date. Blind Date, the TV show. Oh, not a Blind Date. Yeah. No, he is on Blind Date. He is the contestant on Blind Date. And the wall is up. In between him and the three contestants he's choosing from, he's saying, he's thinking to himself, number one, two, or three, and the choice is really distressing him, because the three contestants... Distressing me a little, too. (laughs) Because the three contestants are Knuckles, Tails, and Dr. Robotnik. Not even Amy. Dr. Robotnik looking quite hopeful. (laughs) He's just been drawn with the typical, like, clenched grill teeth, but in this context, it does look like... Uh, last letter, though, Dave, I left this one for you special because I know how much you'll appreciate it. Yeah. It's called Post Haste, and it says, Dear STC, for the, this is great, for the past few months I have been sending issues of your comic to my friend's son who lives in Stony Creek, Canada. Canada! The international yeah. theme to this yeah. beadline. Oh, yeah. Although there is a Sonic comic available in Canada, Derek says, we assume the son is Derek or the dad is Derek, Derek says that he prefers your version, which is far superior, in quotes. Yes, quite right. Of course they're talking about Archie there, and ours is far superior, and that is from Mr. P. Singleton of Tranmere in Wirral, Merseyside. Well, Megadroid says, you know what they say, Mr. P. All good things come in small packages. However, the subscription page on the inside back cover could be of interest. And then I thought, at that point, did they move the subscription thing there because this was they were actively encouraging somebody to cut it out, this issue? Oh, uh, well. So they had to put it in somewhere that it wasn't like the back of a pen Yeah, it could be. Have you checked to see where Speedlines is next time? No. Right. No, we'll, we'll leave we'll that, find out. that thrill for, <laughs> for next time. Stay tuned. One important thing to note now yeah. across all of Speedlines here, oh. is that every letter printed here wins 
A Sonic Mystery Prize. Oh, they haven't figured out what it's going to be they yet. They have run out of the cups. Uh, they don't know yet. They do not have a new regular prize. <laughs> they are going to send these poor buggers whatever bit of tat they can scrounge up oh, out of the office drawers. no. Uh, and the thing is... We... How long is this going to go on Well, for? and we've, <laughs> we've heard from people who've had a reply from Speedlines or a prize, and they usually come much later, months hmm. later. So... They've got plenty of time to scrounge something together. <laughs> to think they? up something. Oh my word, I didn't spot that. A Sonic mystery prize. Do you think they're waiting to see if Sega bring out any more merch ever again? <laughs> Send them anything. <laughs> ever again. <laughs> well, at the time, it was looking like they might not. Anything in our mailbag today, do Actually, yeah. Way. It's your letters. It's your letters. It's your letters. It's your letters. We've got a letter here called Sonic the Hedgehog on the internet. <laughs> who would, who, no, that cannot be allowed. We <laughs> cannot allow people to start talking about Sonic on the internet. Who knows where it will end up. No, and if we've had any influence on Sonic the Hedgehog ending up on the internet, we're going to have to shut this entire operation down immediately. No, can't, it cannot be, we, I, would we have, do you think we have like any responsibility there? Have we? Have we accidentally fostered some kind of community and audience of people looking for Sonic content on the internet? Oh, I hope not. Jesus. Because, I mean, the only way I send this podcast to people is I write it all down and then put it in an envelope yeah. each episode individually and post it to them. Yeah. That's how that works, right? That's what you're That's doing. That's what too. I'm doing, yeah. I just send it to Jahan on a tape. Yeah, you because you, you don't want people talking about Sonic on the internet. Oh, Christ. Imagine that. Jesus. Woo! Anyway, dear STCTP... <laughs> Listening to the exciting online world of the Diary Zone lately has had me in stitches, and it brings me back to my own early steps into the internet. I got in a lot later than some, and my main gateway was DeviantArt. I would post me little... Oh, that is quite later. Yeah. I would post me little Final Fantasy fan arts and shameless Warhammer 40,000 rip-offs, and sometimes people would say nice things about them. Well, it wasn't long before I eventually searched for Sonic the Hedgehog, and what I found blew my mind. Mm. Imagine if, if, you, if you can... Even countenance. If you such dare. Such a thing. A Sonic character that someone has made up themselves. What? Incredible. People would do that. People would just mm. go on the internet and tell lies. <laughs> I, I don't think this is true. They can't have done that because that would be a breach of copyright. I'd have heard about it. Yeah. Uh, they were called <laughs> Danny the Hedgehog and they were, get this, a green hedgehog. But that wasn't all. What? They had a tuft of black hair on the front of their head and a big gemstone medallion. I was blown away by this maverick character design. They had a backstory involving the Miracle Planet and everything. I had to draw this person a picture. Are you sure you didn't invent this character, Dave? uh, The more I hear about it, the more I think it might be one of mine. (laughs) I had to draw this person a picture. So I drew a Metallics version of their character. Come to hunt them down. See attached. Oh. Metal Danny. Okay, okay. Look at him there. Oh, now this young artist's done something clever here because the tuft of oh, hair. That, oh, that is actually really super friggin' good, actually, yeah. The black tuft of hair yeah. has been reimagined here as a buzzsaw blade. Coming out of a slot in the. In the oh my god, that's brilliant. That's great. That's honestly dead good. Okay, so it's important to note this guy was nobody. In my mind, he must be some kind of internet celebrity for coming up with something so cool. (laughs) 
coming up with an original Sonic the Hedgehog character. I mean, this is Diary Zone down to the ground, isn't it? This is exactly what I thought of everyone who was there doing this stuff. And he got more than one comment on most of his uploads. <gasps> I had also never interacted with this person before randomly sending them fan art. It must have been very strange for them. It's very funny now to look back on how I had just never considered the existence of Sonic OCs. Perhaps the lowest hanging fruit on the internet. <laughs> I love that as a descriptor for Sonic OCs. It's, it's probably true. It wasn't long until I was seeing them by the dozen, but it makes me happy to remember this first time and how impressed I was by their earnest creativity. Yeah, me too. I remember that. I remember yes. that. Addendum, I have an interesting story for Dave. Oh, you won't like this, Chris. I guess I'll just I'll just leave then. I'll be uh, I'll be over here, just uh, minding my own business. Play with the transformer, Chris, while I read this out. <laughs> when I was very small, he is. He is. He's grabbed the transformer and he's playing with it. When I was very small, <laughs> I used to have a. Give me a shout when you need me back. Okay. When I was very small, I used to have a recurring nightmare. I would arrive or find myself suddenly in an infinite black void. The moment I realised where I was, my heart would be gripped with terror as over the horizon approached a thing that can only be described in cosmic horror terms. Its defining feature was its size. It was huge, unfathomably so. It had arms and legs, but it was an inhuman, imperfectly spherical silhouette. It was red, but as if covered in blood. It had a shifting, half-glimpse quality, and if it caught me, I would be destroyed. I would experience the running-through-treacle sensation that many do in dreams, and the thing would gain on me, until I eventually reached a dead end. A massive, iron-plated wall. I would always wake up screaming, just before it could grab me, and I would run into my parents' room. Well, as you can imagine, that's bloody terrifying for a small child, but the rest of my family didn't think so. Yeah. <laughs> that was me running Came back. back especially back for that. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest of my family didn't think so. In fact, they thought it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. flipping rude. And it's because. Oh, okay. Okay. It was dizzy. As a, <laughs> a big egg. As a little kid, I didn't have the vocabulary to describe indescribable horror. It was big. It was round, red, and scary. I tried my best to get across how bad it was. I really did. But the only words I could muster to describe it were... Demon tomato. <laughs> And that's, but that's uh, conceived entirely separately yeah. from your own demon tomato. Yeah. Although <laughs> mine, also from a dream. It must be the same tomato Ooh. visiting us in different across different. Tapped into the same morphic yeah. field, eh? Yep. The ur tomato expressing its, pushing itself into our reality through the dreams of young innocent yeah. Sonic fans. Anyway, keep up the great work, you guys. And that is from Morg of this parish, friend of the show. Well, I reckon that'll bring us up to the end of this issue, and finally, for once, we can flip to the back cover and <laughs> see the next issue page in its only good and god-given right place to be for a next issue to have and be and there it is <laughs> next issue all at sea evil empire continues because it's a picture of sonic a very conspicuously mm -hmm. cropped picture of sonic very little of this it's like that oh what was that galt toys game uh, peepholes do you have this pack of cards some of them have got a picture on you put a card on top and it's black but with just little peep holes and you have to guess what it's a picture of just by looking through the little hole. No. No. Mm. Well, this is a picture of Sonic with something in his hand. Something in his hand. But seen through a, a blobby, watery 
sea sort of a shimmery shape. Overlay. And you can only see little bits of him here and there. I mean, we probably wouldn't really even be able to see what was in his hand if it wasn't there. No, because it's off the side. Because he has been pushed to the side so that most of what is in his hand is cropped off the page anyway. But it looks conspicuous to me that it's been yes. covered up. I reckon you and I both know what we we're looking at. We know exactly here. what we're looking at. Yes. Some of our listeners will as well. Stay tuned, you'll find out in two weeks. But we'll stay tuned for surprises in Evil Empire next issue. Along with Tails, Hero of the Beach, Decap Attack, the Maltese Budgies, and Amy, Spaced Out. Plus, plus, hold on to your trousers. Oh, I'm holding. They're back. They're they're trying to fly away. uh, I gotta pull them in. Slicer, Badnik, Pinner. Badnik's back. Hooray. Okay, good. Great. Great! And there's a new game out on the Game Gear. <laughs> Hooray! That's SDC 111 on sale Wednesday, the 20th of August, 1997, priced £1.25p. And when you're looking for that issue, you'll find it most places good podcasts are available to download. Here and around with your gogglers. Or you can come to our website and get it directly from us. Yes! Right into your hand. No sales tax. And that makes it easier for you to read along because Spanky's gone and linked to all of the comics on there as well. So underneath the episode, you'll see the pages up there, the scans. All at stctp.zone. That's the one. Go there. You can follow us on social media. The podcast itself is at Sonic Podcast. I am at Chris McFeely. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. And if you like your social media ethically sourced, you can come along and see how a Mastodon instance, also hosted by Spanky, it is speedlines.stctp.zone You can support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash stctp where a donation of any amount gets you access to our years-long archive Mm. of bonus videos looking at the Martin Adams Sonic novels and Dave's torrid history of fanfic. I think we can go as far as to call it a vault at this stage. There's loads in there. I've called it a vault so many times that I specifically chose not to call it a vault this time, in fact, and this is the moment you called me out on it. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Patreon.com forward slash STCTP. Our opening theme at the start of the show was synchronized. That's by Sonic the Comic, the band. You can find them at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com or on our 100th episode. Hey, remember that? That was good. Lovely time. But we have been Sonic the Comic, the podcast, and we are going to see you all next next time. time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop you there, dear. Yes.